Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, see it all together. Are you with me now? Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're going to talk about a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I uh, like, you know, as a preview thing to come, I was not expecting what I got from a Marvel movie, which is a pleasant surprise when you decide not to deep dive into every nook and cranny of a rumor uh of rumors of a movie and then also reviews because it's a very divisive film from what i was seeing yeah uh that it honestly shocked me but uh yeah we'll uh, <laughs> we'll get we'll, into it <laughs> yeah so um before we talk ant-man like mm-hmm. there's so much shit we haven't talked about um the first thing I wanted to bring up because you probably knew about it and I didn't, mm-hmm. but did you know that three years ago, Kurt Wimmer directed a, a remake of children of the corn that's coming out this year? Yes, I did. Um, and like, this is one of those ones where the COVID wave happened and I did. Okay. So just a little backstory. I mean, like, we both, I think we both agree that Kurt Wimmer is a guy that, like, you know, edges towards, like, you know, like, stuff, like, kind of like David Tooley, right? Like, yes. created, a, like, a really awesome fucking kick-ass action movie in Equilibrium, or Equilibrium, as they called it in the movie. Um, and then, you know, just went off into the wild and did stuff occasionally, screenwriter. Um, Salt is actually a fairly decent movie. Um, that people don't give enough credit to, even though it's female born. Um, I, but yeah, I think it's a great but, script. I, yeah, no, it is. I like, think hear- Angelina Jolie at the height of her, like, uh, this sounds so shitty coming from a white dude, but like at the height of her, she needs to eat a fucking sandwich phase. Then yeah. like, like Angelina Jolie now, like in Eternals, like, okay. But like, then it was like this chick doesn't look like she could beat anybody up because she looks like she weighs 80 pounds. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's weird. It's weird because if they had gotten the person that they originally wanted and he didn't do night and day, Tom Cruise would have been like that would have been a neat little action film. A la, uh, you know what I always think of it is I always think of it. Like spy films come in two packages, right? They come in the Jason Bourne ones, but then they also come into the Kevin Costner forgotten film, No Way Out. Yeah. Where, you know, they're always dealing with double agents, but um, it would have been a nice little thing to see Cruz kind of go that route. But I mean, we got Night and Day, which is actually very funnily this kind of similar in that it's forgotten um, for whatever reason. But anywho. Um, yes, I did see that and I was like, oh damn, it's coming out finally. Um, which is weird because Getting a lot of a lot of king this year. <laughs> yeah, a lot of king. Jesus like unexpected king, right? Like because yeah. I never expected them to re like okay, so like 
have we ever talked about the original and how the original is something I really like, but it's really campy um, because of Malachi, uh, Malachi and like it just it doesn't live up to the King's short story. Yeah, no, it, it does what those early King adaptions always did was yep. take a like interesting premise and then let somebody run with it. Not in a completely different direction, but just in like a weirder more different way like they don't really hold true to the total spirit of what was in the original story um yeah the the i mean there were so damn many of those children of the corn movies eventually it was just like yeah yeah. (laughs) it's like like how are you still milking this premise (laughs) i i know it's like uh okay well and the bigger like okay so like they're like so they can't promote it like uh like the funniest part was is that they got so like king got so pissed off at that adaptation that he refused to let them use his name in promoting it they could say a short based on a short story by stephen king but the original he couldn't they they couldn't promote it as from the master of horror stephen king and um i find that funny that you fucked up so bad that stevie king who <laughs> who famously said if you can't get it done right after fucking his interactions with stanley kubrick you gotta do it yourself and made it made the camp classic mm-hmm. maximum overdrive um this one feels like it's following the movie like the trailers that i've seen of it it feels like it's following the movie just in a younger group of kids um but like at least the trailer that's what the trailer is looking like like it's no more uh what's his name uh peter horton and linda hamilton pre 30 something and pre terminator it's it's literally just and did he film it in australia because he has um what's his name in it um uh bruce spence and i'm always wondering i think so okay because it it looks like this nebulous put like even in the trailers you look at it and it's like i know okay so like i know this is a really geeky thing but like the light in the way that the light hits like you can kind of instantly, it's like Elvis. Like you know, we've not, not talked about Basmer uh, uh, Lerman's maximum, maximum, maximum uh, Elvis, but you can tell that Elvis is not filmed in America. Like you can just tell by the lighting, right? Even color correction, you can just tell the way that things are hitting, the way that certain things are, that it just feels like not America, right? And I, yeah. I get that feeling from Children of the Corn when I watch the trailer. Um, I kind of feel bad because I don't want to see it. And I love Kurt Wimmer. I kind of want to wait till it's on Shutter or something and make maybe make it surprise me, right? Uh, because it is being released by Shutter, But I think it's being theatrical, correct? I, I, I mean, I just... Uh, I actually heard it on the King cast. Oh, and okay. And I was like, wait, this is a thing? How did I not yeah. know about this? Um but, Did we uh, go on to the onto the King cast? No, they were oh, they were okay. talking about something and just had like offhandedly said something about Kurt Wimmer adapting children having adapted Children of the Corn. It's finally coming out. Something to that effect. I was like, that's a thing. Um, so I went to IMDb, looked it up. It said premiering in March, but like I 
don't know if that's just it's dropping in March or theatrically or limited theatrical or because like there's there's really nothing on it other than like very very limited things so yeah um i don't know we'll see uh either way i'm always down for watching a stephen king adaptation but kurt winner's gods we've brought up before and i was like i what the (laughs) i can't do nothing (laughs) this is the thing um i also it's rated r and I, I like in a in a sea of PG thirteen rated like um, current horror movies. I mean, like even Megan is PG thirteen, even though it was designed to be released as an R rated film. Well, um, the unrated cut will be on Peacock later this month. This month, like in, in yeah, a week at or the so? end of the month. Yeah. yeah, like like literally at the end of the month. I, and I waited because I'd I'd heard or I had or I heard an interview like uh, like i watched a youtube interview with the director or i read an interview that's that he like actually said you know we like you know i like blum let it up for me you know gave me the choice we can the scores are so high we can keep it as rated r but we can't get as many theaters or you go pg-13 with this pg-13 cut that you have and we can release it on three thousand screens and that's the kind of weird fucking censoring shit that is kind of like okay i understand but as long as there's like a release i'm like okay but i'm gonna wait because it's like why do i want to watch the the pg-13 version when there's this r-rated version that's going to come out fairly soon right so yeah. uh but but we'll see and but i mean like it's it's purely r-rated and i wonder if kids killing people in the way like in in a graphic manner could have been the thing that stopped it from being released for so long like, I mean, you know, it could be something as simple as that, right? Like, yeah. you know, uh, because like the big thing is in the movie, the kids like or in the in the story, at least in the original story, the kids like, you know, turn on the uh, turn on the adults and like murder them, like not in a nice way. Like they like, you know, butcher knives and like they murder those uh, they murder the adults in a very fucking harsh way. So I almost wonder if that's what's happening. But. Yeah, man, we can definitely talk about this one whenever it comes out. Because I'm now, I'm curious. Now, I'm yeah. definitely curious. I mean, th- th- so I just I just googled it just to because I mm-hmm. I know that there's stuff on the horizon, but I was like, I feel like I said a lot of King this year, and I was like, am I right? Is most of it coming next year? No, I googled it. So we have this supposedly coming tentatively in March. Mm-hmm. Here's everything else from Stephen King's world that's being adapted supposedly this year uh, not everything okay. has confirmed release dates the boogeyman okay uh, yeah by rob well, that, savage that's, yep. that's that definite. one I'm, that's that's top that's top tier because he wrote the script yeah. or no it's the based on the short story and he helped them um yeah that one is top tier like i'm looking forward to big time because of everything that we've heard the buzz Salem's Okay. Uh, there's uh, apparently a Pet Cemetery prequel series or p- movie that has been uh, like it. There's a cast and everything. Oh but wow! It's okay. a Paramount Plus original movie, so that's probably why we haven't heard a ton about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a Pet Cemetery prequel—that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Um. The the show that you. Isn't the show that you um, you watched? I can't remember what it was called. 
um the one about the the eighteen hundreds. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the Salem's Lot prequel. Yeah. Oh no! Oh, oh no, no, no! Oh, that's oh. Okay, never mind. Okay. Right. So, th- so what? No, no. Like, I'm which talk- show are you talking about? I'm talking about that show that you mentioned to me when we were talking about King. Um, the one that's set in like like it's like uh like set in a Luddite community. Um, where a guy goes and tries to start over again. I cannot remember. Isn't that yeah? That's the King? that's the it's silent. It's prequel to it's. Uh, oh, okay. It's the a prequel Salem, to Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not all screwed up. Okay, so anyways, continue on. I'm 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 interrupting you. So uh, from from the Buick Eight, which uh, I didn't know that was coming either. Oh uh, no, I don't know that either. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, let's see. Uh, and the girl who loved Tom Gordon, which mm-hmm. I I'd heard about as well. Uh, Romero tried to adapt it, and then of course. You know, was not yeah. successful. So, uh, I think Lynn Ramsey, I think, is who's doing that. Um, CW is doing a, a series based on the short story, uh, the revelations of Becca Paulson, okay. uh, which is an old ass short story. It's in like the Skeleton Crew. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's interesting. The Long Walk, which is something he wrote under his pen name um, yeah and something that he's been he's been very kind of like since the shootings or since uh columbine he's been very kind of sketch about wanting the uh, letting letting people try to adapt it yeah. which is interesting um uh but that one that could go either or way yeah. right like because yeah, that's that's a that's a lot and you know yeah. And we just got what three or four last year. It it's great, man. I I am since we're on Stephen King. I am over halfway through the third book in the Gwendy series. Yes, and thank and, you for sending. Uh, like, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Logan Logan sent me the series, and it's uh like you know uh, we talked about it behind this. Like we talked about the Gwendy series here, um and. But he like you know it piqued my interest and he actually sent it to me so it's actually on my list to to read next. Um, they're fa- like like they're fairly short books so I should be able to catch up with with Logan in short order in the next uh, couple of months. And oh, you can blow it. that first book is such a breezy read. Like I yes. I intentionally pace myself because um, uh-huh. I'll get so like games I'll get so wrapped up in it. That I'll yeah. just waste, not waste, but I'll spend my whole day just reading and not doing anything else. Um, so I will just pace myself and the chapters are literally two to three pages long. So I would be like, OK, I'm going to stop at every like every other chapter. I will just stop. Um, mm-hmm. And then like uh, the second one, it gets a little bit longer. The third one, the chapters are pretty long um comparatively but it they're still they're all easy like such easy reads but then like i i told you i i guess this is kind of spoilers but not mm-hmm. really because I, I told you i think on the podcast when we talked about it yes i am almost 100 percent sure that this is dark tower adjacent by the third book it is so like just absolutely you're like okay yeah this is a hundred percent dark tower adjacent because things just start 
coming into play that if you haven't read the Dark Tower stuff, uh-huh. it, it just feels like weird king shit. But if you've read the Dark Tower stuff, you're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I know what's happening. I know what's happening. Oh God, I know I love who these that people feeling. are. I know what this is. I know what they're talking about. <laughs> I, and you know what? That's the gift of Stephen King when you read The Dark Tower. And then you start, like, it's all started to connect the dots. Is that everything, like, like when he does something Dark Tower adjacent, it becomes super exciting. So, like, and you telling me that stuff, like, you know, uh, before and now that you confirmed it with the third book, I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Now I, I have mean, to read it. It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't feel like super important to the the story of the Dark Tower because that's really just Roland's quest. Yeah. But like it. It's so like by the third book, so steeped in so much of the things you learn by reading the Dark Tower that, um, you know, it, it's it's just it makes it so much more fun to read. Um, yeah. It, it the, uh, honestly. This I am fucking shocked that this is not a series that has somebody has snapped. I mean, I'm sure somebody has the rights because anytime yeah. he publishes anything, somebody's like, "Oh, get that," um, because it's Stephen King. Yeah, um, but I, I, this yeah. is something I cannot believe is not an active development because it is such an interesting premise of like there's. It's it's a box with these buttons on it and these two levers. And, like, you could just do the box. Like, it would not have to be Gwendy's story. It You know, it could keep coming back to Gwendy. But, like, mm-hmm. Amazon could... Uh, Mike Flanagan, hello, mm-hmm. could take this. And e- every season could just be about somebody else having the box. That would be and you you could go amazing through yeah. time because like I mean I know you haven't read it and this I I don't feel like this is spoilery but like really the premise is this this little girl like meets a stranger on a park bench and he's like hi Gwendy like I'm gonna make you the keeper of this magic box and here's the buttons and the buttons do this and the levers do this and like when she's a kid that like she learns about the box but like this dude is mysterious as fuck he's a man in a black cat that just magically appears and disappears and the box is obviously magic and has existed for god knows how long through any number mm. of universes like the the because you don't really get into the origin of any of it at least not through the third book it's mm. just this thing that exists and i'm like how has this not been snatched up in like active development because it's so much fun that and there's so many things that you could do places you could go with it but anyway i mean that's just hopeful speculation hopefully mike flanagan because it's dark tower adjacent something yeah develops in there somewhere so no absolutely like that sounds super like like you have like it has the recipe for flanagan stuff because like he dealt with like like it just sounds like the stuff that that you like it's between it it, it sounds like 
King is working in that dead zone slash twilight zone kind of thing that he loved doing, which is taking a high concept or just taking like kind of like a like cabin in the woods. Like it's like a concept, like, you know, knock at the door. Uh, there's no one around the knock at the door, like kind of thing. Like the box, like like this is him going with Matheson and doing like I was about like to say it is a hundred percent like he read the Richard Matheson story and wrote his version of it and yeah I, I think they talk about it in the first at the like the end of the first book it's a oh, okay. it's a co-written thing because uh, like King didn't write the second book but it it still feels very faithful and in King's voice. Um, but mm. they're co-written with this Richard Shizmar, I'm going to say is how you say his name, um, mm-hmm. who is a friend of his uh, and fellow writer. But apparently, like... screenwriter, yeah. Yeah, King wrote some of this story, and I, I guess somehow, like, he had read some of it and was like, hey, I think you have something here. And so they kind of, like, fleshed it out together. Um mm. And then King thought that that was it. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, the other guy, Shazmore, however you say it, uh, was like, hey, I think there's more to this story. Like, I, I think there's somewhere else we can go with it. And then oh. so the second book is just him. And it's Gwendy's magic feather. And then I, I guess because of, like, where they they go with it, um, mm-hmm. Where he goes with it with King's blessing, then like King steps back in and brings everything like full circle into uh, dark tower territory. Dark tower ter- yeah, territory. Okay. Because um, this okay. would be post. Because uh, the third book just came out la- beginning of last year, I think. Um, so it was. It's really post. You know dark tower stuff and i guess he sees a way to kind of bring it full circle and i mean sure enough like that it seems like that's what they're doing um but it there's some really great moments in the third book that involve dairy uh which is a fun place like it's small stuff and like that of course anytime dairy comes up in a book there's always a character who says something about the fucking clown clown (laughs) yep Pennywise, yeah. Um, which, um, like, you know, other than the like, we've talked about this. Other than that, that fucking scene, <laughs> in the 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 boys and that one girl scene. Um, yeah. like, it, it's one of my favorite books. Like it. So, like, you know, I've come back to it multiple times. So, like, anybody that talks about that that in other books is kind of or just Castle Rock in general. Like, you know, it's like, like all of these different places, like his main is a place that I do never want to go to. Like even Maine now, I don't want to go to like, I've, like he, I've always he, wanted to go to Maine because <laughs> I, I <don't> <laughs> like, I've been reading King for so long. I'm like, I just want to yeah. go. But like, you're right. Like his version of Maine, it's like, oh, oh no, that's a horrible, horrifying place. <laughs> like, well, okay, it is so, like, so scary. <laughs> Um, have, we're we're gonna get to like. Have you read uh, Lovecraft Country? No. Oh God. Okay. So, like, I might actually. I'll just send you my. I'll send you my book. Um. Uh. I'll send you my my copy. I don't know if you've seen the the show either. The I show haven't. is very different. Okay. So the show is very different, but it it kind of 
it's kind of a Keynesian kind of thing, but it's a lot of it is set in Maine. And when you get to the main part of the story, not the main, but M A, <laughs> like with the E, Maine, the state, it, 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 it it manages to be both Lovecraftian and um, Kingsian at the same time because just the general area that they're talking about is the same area that, like you know, uh, King lives and breathes. But it's also set in the in in the late fifties, early sixties. Um, it's a great read. Um, I really will. I'll send it out to you, especially because I think that you'll appreciate everything that um, the guy writes in the book like the 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 kinds of uh fiction that he's writing about it's very kind of like steeped in edgar rice burroughs flash gordon but also the lovecraft stuff and also very much heavily richard matheson and stephen king in a weird way but um it's done in a very unique very very unique package and there's a sequel coming out um he's actually the guy who actually wrote the original book so that he's gonna uh he's writing he's in the middle of like or actually they're finishing it up i think it's supposed to be summer that's supposed to come out so so yeah like absolutely absolutely um maine is just a place that i do not want to visit i mean i visited before i've been there um and it definitely gives that creepy vibe of like like cold during the cold season and after dark, I'd probably be like, yeah, I don't want to be here. But like, <laughs> the, like, you know, late summer, early fall kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, the touristy, are changing. Yeah, yeah, the touristy, you know, part of <laughs> wanting to visit Maine. Um, yeah. Like, like the, the time that, uh, the time that the girl, uh, uh, bag of bones takes place. Like, yeah. like there's always autumnal, like it's weird because, he make like it's something that I don't think that they talk about very much in King books, or they like, they don't talk about with King's books. But and he even wrote a short story uh, like a uh, changing of the seasons. Like, yep. but it, seasons have a lot to do with his books. Like, if you think about it, like like it like it takes place in spring and summer for the kids, but fall for the adults. Yeah, and it's very kind of pointed. It's it's interesting. Like. Um, he talks about seasons in, um, he talks about seasons in the stand very, 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 very specifically. Like it it becomes a, like it becomes both problems and, and like, you know, uh, and blessings for characters. So it's interesting. Um, I never even thought about that, about the whole thing about seasons and how creepy it can be because yeah, like empty trees, like, (laughs) like, like trees with no leaves. They're creepy as shit, man. (laughs) Yes. They make noises like, you know, like if anybody has ever been through a fall and they've been in a forest and the winds are acting up, that's some scary stuff, man. Blair Witch. I mean, changed, (laughs) changed us all. Um, But yeah, no, I, this, um, like I said, I keep on getting more and more excited. I may have to stop the book that I'm reading currently and just kind of dive into the first one, Um, uh, dive into this first book and just say, fuck it. I, I think you'll really enjoy it and like I, I'm excited for the end of the the story and I, I haven't decided what's next but I have a stack of Stephen like I, at this point literally all I'm reading is Stephen King and <laughs> and X-Men comics so but you um, know what if you're gonna read one author why not King I, I, like I so, mean to be perfectly honest they 
I have always kind of taken flack from some some people uh, about really he's the only writer where I'm just like I will read what whatever he writes. But like I know people that like, well, I will read anything that James Patterson writes. And I've read a few James Patterson books and they're fine. But yeah. not not knocking the man, but it's like watching four episodes of Law and Order SVU. Mm-hmm. That it's the same fucking thing. Like I, I All over again. Yeah. I get it. It's fun, but it's literally just the same thing. And I was listening, I, I recently started listening to the King cast. Um, mm-hmm. which is, is a lot of fun and, and is it's also difficult because I haven't read everything. So they spoilers are just there. Like they will just jump into like, oh yeah, yes. it's like in this book. So like I, you know, I'm possibly spoiling things for myself. Um, but I did specifically avoid it until I was done with the Dark Tower because that was the one thing I was terrified of spoiling for myself. Mm-hmm. But they start talking about uh, specifically only reading Stephen King and why it, it's, you know, some people might think that's bad, but like they vocalized it in a way that I'd never thought about it before in that, like, yeah, all of the James Patterson stuff, not all of it, most of it, it it's all, you know, the same formulaic kind of thing. And while yeah. King has a formula to most of his writing, there's such a vast difference, even if they're all tangentially connected, remotely connected, whatever. The stand and eyes of the dragon are connected, but they are not the same kind of fucking book. They're not even close. Well, it's like the same guy that did Misery did Cujo that did Lizzie's story. Like that did eleven twenty two sixty three. Yeah, like that to me in and of itself is amazing. Like because he manages to shift his style. Like he's very much the Howard. Like I know it sounds weird, but he's very much the Howard Hawks of writing. Yes, one hundred percent. He's known for horror, right? Like that's what we all know him Day's for. That's the what master we all... of horror, and yes. that element is always. Even if it's not a horror thing, there is that element in almost all of his stories. But like, yes, it it it's horror in a way that isn't like n- terrifying. It's just like the horror of like life, <laughs> you <Yes>. know? <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> like, like injuries become so like like he does body horror as good as as um like like the thing that I feel like some of the things that I feel like he does well. Are not just like not just <laughs> like not just like things like bullies, which he like I I don't understand yeah. how he does it so well, but he just does it right. Either he, uh, but he was one, he was bullied, or both, <laughs> because yeah, it's 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 there. Like he captures yeah. what it feels like to do it, what it feels like to have it done to you. To like it's just yeah, it's it's crazy, right? Um. And but the thing is, is that it's like it's like he he understands that as much as he understands body horror. Like so, like misery is one of my favorites. Like it, it was the it was the thing that determined to me that I was like because like you know like like everybody we had like a king we have like a king story of how we started right mm-hmm. and 
I started with Carrie and I didn't care too much for it. I know that's a shocking thing, but I just didn't care for it. I, I mean, I feel like the De Palma film is a little bit better than his book. I know that's sh- like that, that sacrilege, but I feel like De Palma, because I grew up with De Palma's movie. And now that I look at it, man, that's a fucking troubling movie just on an image perspective yeah. like that you know like i recently watched it because i got the 4k and i always forget that opening moment with the slow motion with the high school girls that are not high school but they're still pretending to be high school girls and it's just like it leaves it like a skivvy kind of Ugh. but you know what that story i feel like carrie in the hands of brian de palma is kind of like proto euphoria but with horror elements in it right yeah um but like that was the first book but then i read cujo and then i read misery and then misery because of the movie like i saw the movie and it was frightening but the misery as a book is fucking terrifying like annie annie wilkes is like literally the most complex character that i'd ever written up or i'd ever read up until that point and when she it's it's not the fact that she cuts Paul's legs off, which is fucking like, or he, she cuts one of his legs off, which is fucking terrifying. It's the fact that she like sleeps with a pig and she has this whole kind of other world life that has nothing to do with the like weird perpetrating violence that she's doing on this man. Um yeah. And it just it enraptured me because I was like, there's no way this dude's getting out alive. He's going to – I mean this fucking – this what lady ran over a dude with a lawnmower, like, well, which is not uh, – go ahead. Yeah, I mean that story is a perfect – you're talking about the way he, like, captures things. Like yes. the bullying. Like you read it in the real world all the time where, like, oh, well, they found, like, two girls locked in this man's basement. And like they yeah. interview people that knew the man, and they're like, "We would, we never, we would have never suspected this." Like I don't know, he worked at the local hardware store. Like he was super yes. helpful. Like shit like that, and it's like he really like gets into that of like nobody would ever know that she has a fucking <laughs> world-renowned writer tied up in her, you know, guest bedroom, and she sawed one of his legs off. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. And continually sexually assaults him. Like that's the like like that's the thing that when I was like, oh shit, this is like because like okay, so like I watched the movie and I'm like, you know what, this woman is so like like the thing that they they didn't get to that they never got to that in the movie and I was like, you know what, like as a kid you're like, you know what, this fucking like. No, she probably would have done bad things to him. She had him yeah. tied him up in her basement. She's crazy. But then in the book, you read the book and you're like, holy shit, this man's thought of ever like that yeah. was the thing. Like as a 12-year-old kid, I was like, this motherfucker has thought of everything. And it's terrifying. Who is this dude? And then And he writes and, it down and like just lets it like most of us would like be like, no, nah, I can't write that. I can't write like, that. <laughs> yeah. But he just goes with it. And it's like, well, that's where the story. I mean, he's very much that's where the story led me. Like, you cannot Uh like it. You're free to not like it. And that's okay. Don't, you know, hate me or Mm -hmm. hurl insults at me or whatever. You cannot like it. That's the story that, you know, because he says 
he's not writing the story. He's telling the story, like the story, as it's yes. being told to him. So absolutely, um, um it, like a like a that's actually a great okay. So like that's a great like like mention of one of my like actually it's probably my favorite book, um, that I continually go back to, uh, which is a nonfiction book he wrote, which is on writing a yeah. memoir on uh, of the craft, um, because it's such a like I use it like I use it as much as I use um, other pieces of writing about writing um, in my daily life. Like like because we're reviewers. Right. And he like he, it's not even about it's about like for me, it's about like, you know, just writing in general, not just writing fiction. Um, and he's just like I've had that book since it was released. Tw- I, I have my still my original. Yeah, I, I wish I did. I, I had it in high school and I carried it around with me. And mm-hmm. somewhere along the way, in multiple, multiple moves, either I ditched it because I didn't have room for it or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So I, I, I used to have a ton of King stuff, and I've just slowly been rebuilding that library. And it's not one that I've come back across. Um, yeah, I mean, I could go to Barnes & Noble or go on Amazon yeah. and but I'm, I'm very much the way I buy my comics is the same way. I'm very much in the like when I find it, like I want yes. to find it. I don't want to order it, you know. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't mean for us to spend 30 minutes talking about Stephen King. Dude, but, uh, <laughs> like, but you but OK, so like you you like, you know, like anytime we can talk about somebody that we both agree on that we we know that we're going to deep dive on that. And that's OK. Yeah. Uh interestingly enough like so how do you feel about like so since we're talking about like you know like it'll lead into another piece of news and i wasn't sure if you had saw this but you know you mentioned james patterson did you did you hear that the kate carspetta series is finally gonna actually be a series um like the patricia cornwell stuff yeah i Uh, mean that doesn't surprise me that I'm, it's, I mean, since we're talking about Stephen King, it's the name of one of his books. Everything's eventual, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> this is true. Um, uh, but did I you might not live got? to see it, but, you know? <laughs> but did you hear that who they got to play K. Carson? Nah. Nicole Kidman. And then Jamie Lee Curtis is also going to be in um, in the show. Okay, I'm, I'm not... This is going to sound... Uh, it's another me sounding horrible that uh-huh. that's great i'm i love i think nicole kidman's fantastic she's also uh, i i don't want to say she's old but like generally <laughs> but with these things you tend to like doesn't even matter if the character's written to be in their 50s <laughs> yes and to skew younger if you're planning on doing multiples or even think you might be able to get multiples out of it because Every movie is going to take three to five years and you don't want to get three movies in and all of a sudden your lead actress or actor is 70 years old. He's aged out. Yeah, he's aged out, basically. And you're like, is anybody going to come see this if we have a (laughs) 70-year-old person? I mean, I guess we'll find out when we watch Indiana Jones. Jones. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um, I keep on thinking. I keep on thinking about that. I'm like, you know, couldn't you have just gotten fucking the the goat Pedro Pascal, like Harrison Ford 2.0? I mean, Come on, man! Like he he said it's his favorite character. Come on, like I mean, you you're in the Pedro Pascal business, but I, I like you know what? 
it's if it's Harrison Ford's swan song as 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 Jones. Yeah, that's, um, that's fine. It's okay. I um, mean, it'll be nice to see. Well, I I, no, I shouldn't say this. Nicole Kidman has <laughs> been working. I haven't seen anything she's done lately, though. It it would be nice to to want to see something. I'm sure everything she's done is great, but nothing has been really on my radar. It does hasn't seemed like anything I wanted to watch. I mean, it's it's elevated TV. David Kelly drama stuff. So, like, I mean, I've been watching it because you know, my um, uh, Big Little Lies was a big thing for us in in our house, and then yeah, um, I was but, I was close to jumping on the fence on that, and then. Mm-hmm. I, it got like so far in that I was just like, I have so much other stuff to watch. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, it's <clears throat> it's good to watch. Like the first season is kind of amazing because you're watching all of these actresses really fucking hustle in a in a series that's about rich white people doing terrible things. Yeah. To each other. <laughs> that seems to <laughs> you know. be a, the new like genre that isn't a genre of TV yes. is shows about rich white people doing shitty things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the 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 the, the working class is going, "Oh well." Yeah. I mean, the, she, they announced she, yeah. like three spin-offs of the Billions show. Oh uh, my god. Come on. Uh, 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 yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> since, since we're talking TV and shows, yes. um, uh, Poker Face did get picked up for season two. So anybody okay, who dude. doesn't know, uh, we're going to get more Poker Face. If you're not watching it, you should be watching it. It's you, a lot of you fun. You should be watching yeah, the slow roll that we've been going on—it's like a—it's like a good novel. Like it's like yeah. a good series of novels. It, like it really, honestly, it, it really does remind. It is really the bastard child of of uh, two of my favorites, which is like you know, uh, Columbo and Rockford Files. Yeah. Rockford Files because of the low. The I love the working class nature of everything that happens even in the highest of like even even in the like the rich like you know even in the richness of everything like people with money it's still working class stuff right um and i love that because we rarely get that and it's done with respect it's not like i don't know how to put it but there's this always this twinge of like oh what are you doing it's like like greg garcia does it well Right. And now I know that Ryan Johnson can do it well. Yeah. Um, and that's what I love about the show. And then plus there's that, of course, there's the twinge of murder. She wrote because it's a woman, um, which I've come to appreciate more and more because I've been slow rolling a, a rewatch of murder. She wrote And damn, damn. What is uh, it? Uh, I've never. OK, so he, Angela Lansbury has always been somebody that I've just been tricky about. But watching her, like, original run in Murder, She Wrote, it's like, okay, A, she's only, like, 56 years old, but she's trying to play, like, a 75-year-old, which yeah. is wild to me. Um, but it's, like, it's also, like, it's a completely different kind of uh, mystery show, which I, I never understood until I started watching it proper as an adult and not just, like, sitting there as a kid well, my grandparents did, you know, like probably all of us. We were just like, what the yeah, hell I mean, my, my grandmother was she watched all those shows. And mm-hmm. honestly, I, like I, I would I would love to do that and like dive back into them because um, I haven't seen them probably since I watched them with her. Um, mm-hmm. It is weird to me. I, I guess 
they might be out there somewhere, but like there was a kind of sort of spinoff of Murder She Wrote that. Uh, it was the Father Dowling Mysteries. Yes, uh, and but you just don't see it pop up anywhere. And it it was such a like weirdly fun show because it's like just just priests running around solving mysteries. Like it's so bizarre. Um, which, and which you couldn't like, you couldn't do it nowadays. No. Like you couldn't have an actor like Tom Bosley show up. Right. Like, yeah. like, like that's the weird part about like TV network shows before is like, you could have a 65 year old dude who plays a Catholic priest and solves mysteries and uh, not or, have it to be a good. Yeah. Our, our, I was going to say our Dick Van Dyke playing a doctor. Yes. Mysteries. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god. Murder. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like the like cheesy name they use in a show about a show. Like yes. it's like, like oh, like, you re- totally like, made re- that up. Yeah. <laughs> you made yeah. that up to sound ridiculous. And it's like, nah man, that was the name of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it ran for like eight murder. years. <laughs> Yes, people loved it. People loved it. I mean, even the Father Dowling mysteries. Like yeah. it played for like four it was like four seasons of twenty-two episodes apiece, if not more, because they always did those special double episodes. Yep. You know, like on, on the next Father Dowling mystery, a very special episode. And it's like Christmas time or something, and he has to like talk about homelessness or something. And, yeah. You know, doesn't solve it, but like, you know, solves it for that one guy. <laughs> but um yeah, no, it's it's kind of like we don't get I hope like I hope this is an upward trend of like, you know, getting those mysteries back because like those mystery shows back uh, because they're just so much fun. Like yeah. um, I keep on like I have to um, I haven't watched the, the new Fletch movie, but everybody keeps on telling I, me that th- it's, I think like, like it. it's great. Yeah, they they say it's like. If they can, like, and they're making, like, they're actually talking about making another one. They're like, if they can continue on, this would be a one where, like, you know how, you know how, like, Fletch is kind of perfect in its 80s-ness and Chevy Chase-ness, and then Fletch Lives gets everything wrong that they got right about Fletch. They said that, like, people are saying, like, you know, that, that the hope is it gets better and better as this, like, series that only a few people want continues on and i'm like i'm one of those people i was kind of scared because it's like okay so fletch is about la like it's a lot of it is about la it's not a boston-based thing and you know of course you know how i feel about boston um we've already talked about that um but you know it's the one thing i was like oh come on john ham but if i think about it john ham is actually the perfect dude to play this character like to play fletch he he nails it. Like he is the thing Oof. that, like he's so aloof about everything that mm-hmm. it it just it works so well. Uh, it's it's fun and casual. Um, it, it's a it's a the kind that you talk about like hangout movies. It's the kind of movie that like once you watch once, you can just put it on and casually watch it. <sighs> And yes. kind of like just come in and out. I think you'll really, really dig it. Um, okay. So you'll have to let me know when you watch it. Um, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, like hell, even if they do remakes like of shows, like if they if they make a Rockford Files show, um, 
I totally would love to have like like them to redo Rockford. But if you're gonna redo Rockford, man, you got to come swinging, right? Like, yeah, like, it's like it, gotta it, be really good. Yeah, like, and you've got to get a good you got to get a good writers room, like like people that actually write mysteries. You, um, you can't do uh, what's his name is the new Kojak. Like, you can't go. Ving Rhames is Kojak, you know. Yeah, you can't go that route. You have to, you have to like really, really do it upright. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like I always thought. Okay, so like Jim Rockford, I always uh, like my dream uh, cast for for that. Um, okay, like so first, like if they could ever get Neil McDonough to write Rockford and oh, just let him yeah. do whatever he would, like um, that's what I would want, right? But I also want either – I know it sounds weird because they're two fairly different people, but I feel like they both give off the kind of energy that I would want, which is either Sam Rockwell or oh, yeah, or Woody Harrelson. I know that sounds very weird. No, I, I could see that. Yeah, for sure. And then you just – like, you know, and then the casting of the father is super important, yeah. uh, which, like, there's so many – good like older actors that you can cast in that role but you have to kind of have it where shrinking is where it's like you didn't think that jason siegel and harrison ford would make a beautiful like sparring make beautiful sparring partners but fucking literally it's so good that that incongruent casting and to be perfectly honest do you know what i think it is it's the fact that fucking jason siegel is like seven foot eight to like harrison ford six foot two like he finally found somebody and I feel like he's fascinated by this Muppet because that's what fucking like, I, I, like I keep on going back to like man or Muppet. Yeah. Jason Siegel is literally a human Muppet. That's what he is. And I love him for it. Right. Like we don't get those guys anymore. Those big goofy guys that like can like just ring out emotion and comedy and seriousness all at the same time, but like feel normal. Um, so, but yeah, like, um, Rockford Files or any mysteries, but yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, what else do we have? Like we, we should get, um, we're talking, we're talking TV. I did Mm -hmm. watch the premiere of a new show that was kind of sort of on my radar and uh, just very briefly, animal control, John McHale was back on TV. It's a great cast. Um, it, it, Joe McHale, um, uh, Vela Lovell, who was in the short-lived, uh, Ted Danson show, uh, yeah, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, yeah, which Mm -hmm. was uneven, but sometimes funny, uh, Grace Palmer and Ravi Patel, like, they're the, the big, uh, push on, on, like, the Mm -hmm. main cast, they all deserve to be in a better show. Okay. I say oh, that man. having That's just what I was watched, with. it's just the pilot. Yeah. The, the pilot for Parts and Rec wasn't perfect. The pilot for The Office wasn't perfect. Like most pilots, especially for comedy shows, are usually not like what they fantastic. Are. You know? Yeah. And they're not what they are. I mean, yeah. that's the weird part about it is that they always feel like when a when a pilot feels fully formed, <laughs> that's a weird thing. Like like but like you also Ted know Lasso. that <laughs> yes 
like Ted Lasso or even like going back to like Poker Face. Like Poker Face is like a d- damn movie. Like they're yeah. all like they're all like movies that are interconnected to one another. Um, that's always the the kind of goal. X Files. I always feel like the X Files pilot is probably one of the best pilots because it comes out fully formed. You have mm-hmm. everything that you need in that pilot. Um, even yeah, those are the oddities, though. You're right. Yeah, like, it's most of the time. If you go, it most especially with half hour shows. If you go back and watch the pilot, like the pilot for Seinfeld, it's like I see the show in there, but this is not the show. <laughs> yeah, like, or or even Joel uh, Joel McHale's Community, like like you know the the last thing that he starred in Community, like yeah. he was the last thing, yeah. That is a wild, like where it starts in that pilot and where it ends up is pretty different. Um, everything is changed. Like it doesn't, it doesn't give you the understanding of what this show is going to be. So with that, the pilot is supposed to entice you. Does it entice you at least to want to go back to the second? Yeah, I really like the actors. And uh, actually Stargirl was the last show, but it wasn't a comedy that Joel McHale yeah. was in. Um, so I guess it doesn't really count. Um, but, uh, I, I, I will support anything that Joel McHale does. I think he's a fun, funny, uh, and despite the like gruffness of him and all around shittiness of all of the characters he plays, including versions of himself. Cause I go back <laughs> to talk soup, Joel McHale days. Uh, I would yes. watch that bullshit just to watch him. You'd be shitty about things. Snarky. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. So, the yeah, the characters are there enough that I'm like, yes, I do want to, like, I'm going to keep giving this a shot. But, I mean, it's got to get better because it's on Fox. If it does not get better, it's not going to last because it's a half-hour show mid-season replacement on Fox that does not air on on Sunday night. So, no. like, you know, it they're not going to give it a lot of rope to hang itself. Um, I feel like their days of, like, supporting shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine are, are gone. Yeah. So. No, absolutely. Like, it's... <clears throat> and, well, I mean, like, they didn't... Like, even at the end, NBC took over it. Like, yeah. like, 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 Fox is known to do this. I mean, we know we we've talked about it multiple times. Um, what's sad about this is, is that, like, or what gives me hope, and it's also sad. Like, if it doesn't work, is that the people that are producing it is Rough House Pictures, which are Denny McBride, um, and David Gordon Green, who yeah. have made the Righteous Gemstones, which I don't think we've talked about. Holy it's shit! So... Is that a show and a half? Yeah, like my it's, God, it's funny, but like also just like sometimes painful. <laughs> like, oh my God, but that's Danny like a... McBride in a nutshell, though. Oh, that is like Eastbound and Down. Like, I watch that and I go, that is like all of this stuff. Like Vice Principals, like Jesus Christ, oh, like, Vice Principals is great. So, oh my God, Walton Goggins and like that was the moment I knew that. Like, I mean, I've always been a fan of Rough House. I mean, you definitely, because, like, like we've, like, Joe is a movie for you. Like, I, I remember, yeah. like, Joe Joe is a fucking movie for you. Um, and that's a great movie. Like, that's a great, like, if, guys, if you've not seen Joe, 
you have to see this fucking movie. This is a great. This is like Nicolas Cage's Mud. If you remember Mud uh, yeah. and Maconnaissance, like this is his Mud, and he just didn't get the. He didn't get the like in all things Nicolas Cage. He didn't get the support that you thought that he should have gotten if you were a fan of his and you saw this movie. Um, but I mean, they they produced it so. Well, and the, almost... the creators of the show, uh, the two big ones, Bob Fisher and Rob Greenberg, um, yeah. probably not household names, but like these guys, for good and bad, they wrote We're the Millers, uh, Wedding Crashers, Crashers. Uh, the Overboard, the Overboard remake. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but they, they've also, they've actually, this is the other thing. Like, I love the cast, but I also like these guys. They previously did a show on Fox that only lasted two seasons called The Moody's that was really fucking good and had a phenomenal cast, but it only actually, ran for like 14 episodes. <laughs> you know, you've talked about this on the show. Have Dennis I? Leary. Yeah, Dennis yeah. Leary starring in The Moody's because we had a Dennis Leary co- uh, conversation. It was about yeah. the ref. And how, and like, you can't watch that movie anymore because because of one fucker that's in it. Um, they did his previous, the Dennis Lee show before that, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll, which was oh. also a lot of fun. And then they had a show in USA for a while called Sirens that was about, uh, like, EMTs that was oh, okay. really fucking good, too. It had, uh, like, uh, a bunch of people, like, that you would point at and go, oh, hey, I know that guy. Probably the biggest actor in the cast though is Bill Nunn. Um ah, who is okay. just so funny. Um, um and then they had a, enough, a, a, go ahead. a siren sound no, I I was gonna say siren sounds like a spin-off of Scrubs. Like it, literally it very much felt like a Scrubs adjacent kind of thing. And then they had a, okay. sh- a, a show like 10, 12 years ago that only lasted one season, but I liked it. It was called Traffic mm-hmm. Light. Um, mm-hmm. D- David Denman from The Office, the guy that played Roy, like, yeah, it's what he did when he left the office. Um, oh, and it, it was a lot of a lot of fun, but nobody watched it. So, like, I like the guys that created the show. I like the people in the show. Mm-hmm. This pilot episode cannot be the show because it feels very flat. Like it was just one. Uh, no. Do you think that it could be that, like, if if this was an HBO series or this was like a more like an Amazon series, this sound like the the setup sounds like an Amazon series, right? Yeah. That if they had a little bit more of the raunch that Rough House is known for, yeah, it would be better. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um. um it, it, I, being on a network is probably to its detriment because it can't get too. You can get racy, you just can't get too vulgar or graphic. Yeah. Um, and, like, having Joel McHale and not being able to... I mean, he's managed it before. Like, Community managed to, like, flesh that out. And, like, allow him to be the lovable asshole. So... Yes. When the... Sh- which, that's... He's playing the same... He's playing a cop who lost his job because he found out about some corruption and his department nothing got done he got fired uh, and so now <laughs> he works at the local animal control and he's very just over his life and like hates <laughs> everything you know and <laughs> that 
yeah. gets stuck with a new partner who, you know, is very chipper and cheery. And he's just like, oh, this guy. So, it, you know, it has all the elements you need for like, oh, this will be fun. But mm-hmm. like just the pilot is is based. The pilot is basically just like jokes about them going to people's houses, like to either get a weasel out of their attic or like somebody's running a illegal ostrich farm and <sighs> like stuff like like it sounds fun. But like uh-huh. the jokes are a little obvious. It's got it's got some work to do. So uh, I'll report back after a few episodes and okay. let you know. Um, I it, I will say this: it's not Velma levels of like don't fucking watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Which I did finally make it around to watching the finale and the the two episode of like, huh? Maybe they can turn this around by the two episodes to end the season. I was like, yeah, no, fuck this show. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm glad I dodged that. I, I'm glad I dodged that proverbial bullet, yeah. um, which is sad um, because I kind of I love. I mean, that's where I got my. Like we've talked about this. That's that was like my Star Wars for mysteries. Like I got oh. my I got my taste for it from there. Yeah. So, um, so do we want to talk about the Super Bowl trailer? Oh, uh, w- which one? Um, I mean, but yes. The Flash is the only, which also the Flash, the TV show is back this as of two oh, weeks is. ago. And oh, I mean, that I don't know. At this point, it's the last season. I'm going to finish watching it. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. that show lost it is it's lost. It's just lost. Um, uh, and not like the TV show lost, although yeah, <laughs> kind of like the TV show lost where it's like, what the fuck are they doing? Um, <laughs> but so, uh, yeah. The uh, Flash trailer. I, fuck, man. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, okay, so... I just Are, are you willing to give Ezra Miller your money? <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm gonna look at it like this. I ain't giving that little shit my money. Cause, because fuck they. Um, because I still feel like, you know, I don't care if it was mental. Like, so... Yeah, I'm not going to get into this, but I will say this much. I'm not giving my money to him. Who I'm giving my money to is the summer of 89 and Michael Keaton. Um, Because, okay, so they did something, like, we're going to be talking about something next where they finally did what I wanted them to do in Ant-Man and Lost and give the person that I, I felt was, like, the biggest problem with the Ant-Man and the Wasp is the fact that Michelle Pfeiffer is stranded. They solved that in Quantumania. And the thing is, is that I feel like Michael Keaton in all of these comic book movies, or the comic book movies that he's been in has been stranded. And my hope is that Flash gives him what I wanted to, what I want you to give him when you're casting Michael fucking Keaton as Batman. Like you, you have, there's a certain thing that you have to abide by with that particular casting. And I really hope that it, that it is that. Yeah. Um, because like when you cast Michael fucking Keaton, like you don't like you cast him in a, in a villain role, but then you strand him. you give him one great scene in a car with Tom Holland, but that's it. Like there's nothing else you give him. Um, you strand him 
like Marvel, like, but it's Marvel adjacent. I know, I know it's the spider version, you know, Jesus Christ, like, like nobody wants to work with, with Jared Leto or Tom Hardy in these, in these crazy ass movies that they're doing. Um, but that's who I'm giving my money to. I'm hoping to God that, that they deliver on that because him, like everything else, but Ezra Miller, like, why can't we just do deep fake? Like, yeah. Like we paid, they paid him off. They paid yeah. him his money. I mean, they're gonna have to pay his pay or play deal, like however many fucking flash movies they gave him. It's a uh, good fucking trailer. That, that but it is, that's right. Ultimately, like, because we've been talking about this for so long, and every time it comes up, it's been like this movie must be fucking great if they didn't just be like fuck all of it, just put it on the shelf. We're not ever going to do anything with it. Um, or, or just, you know, dump it on HBO Max and just be like, okay, it's out there. It's done. We're done. We're not. We're done with this fucker. But that trailer is fucking good, man. So, like, it, is. it, it makes you kind of understand from a business perspective of... You know, I I don't, and I'm with you. Like, I keep going back and forth. Like, yes, Ezra Miller is a problem, and nobody should be. Whether I, I have such a hard time respecting their decision uh, on their pronouns because fuck the dude and whatever they want to be called because, like, mm-hmm. you don't respect anybody else. Why the fuck should I respect you? A hundred percent. So, um, at this point, he's not a they, them, he's an it. (laughs) Like, it's like, he's a monster. Yeah. You're, you're just, uh, you're literally like, step, like, the only thing left is for you to like murder people, like, to just go on a mass killing spree. And then you will have hit like the fucking bingo card of like shitty behavior. (laughs) Like, I'm just absolute scumbag person. You're, like, literally getting people killed from being Charles Manson. Like, that's yeah. how fucking close you are to that. So No, absolutely. And people are like, oh, well, give him another chance. Fuck that shit. He's because sorry and he's going yeah. to therapy. Like, good for him. That doesn't mean he deserves to continue to be a successful person. Um, like, it's something I struggle with, but... The flip side of that is, yeah, it, Ezra Miller is the Flash, but, like, so many fucking people worked on this movie. Like, it is a exactly. lot of hard work for a lot of people. Same with the Batgirl movie. Like, it's unreleasable and would tarnish the image of whatever. Like, okay, well, you know what, man? Like, maybe uh, the actors in it sucked. Maybe the story was bullshit. But... Hey, I don't know, man. Maybe the score was fucking fantastic. Maybe the lighting was brilliant. Maybe the costume design was phenomenal. That's so many people's hard work that you're just like, fuck that. Well, you know? Well, like, my, my thing is, is this. You fucking released Black Adam. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like you don't have an argument to stand on. <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry, but... Like, I'd rather take a risky $90 million Batgirl movie that's a little lo-fi, like, a little more kick-ass than, than anything else. Like, 
like that's the thing I keep I'm thinking about. I was like, you know, are they they say it's unreleasable? Is it because it's a lower budget movie? Because it's basically like Kick Ass 2.0? I mean, which I like or 3.0. I fucking loved Kick Ass. Like, you know, it's like if you're giving me that, um, with the Nick Cage uh, role as how like, weird is it? Should that be we're talking about ninety million dollar movie as lower budget. Like, how yeah. weird is that? That is fucking sickening, dude. Like ninety million dollars, like should not be a low budget movie like okay so like like as an idea like just to give people an idea 90 million 90 to 120 million is about what john wick 4 cost um that's a three hour like you heard about that right the runtime yeah two hours and 49 minutes of unrelenting action like if if they can make a 90 million dollar movie and make it seem like that's John Wick 4 is the movie or John Wick Chapter 4, sorry gotta respect the franchise is the movie for me this year because it just like a three hour movie with Keanu where he's just comfoing the shit out of people and Donnie Yen is in it oh come on now yeah. but but back to but back to like this whole thing of like the Flash like man like there's certain things that look look really really right like the fact that they're going back and it almost seems like the story is okay so you know we know that we done fucked up with zod but let us show you something that we can do with zod that or you know what we understand we don't have superman but guess what we have supergirl and guess what supergirl Mm. is not a she like you know is not she her but is they them like which is such a like a, such a like it's such a like like a a great concept for this particular like the way that they're doing it it's like it really does like feel like the three years that they had like we we talked about before right like my hope is, is my hope was that all of the three years that they had where production was done and they were just fiddling with editing and then they were doing reshooting um force them to make a better movie and it sounds like maybe james gunn was right like maybe james gunn like saying this is his favorite comic book movie we're getting Um, an avatar not a morbius exactly um and here's the thing is the thing that i love about james gunn is the thing that i also now kind of am very Mm. about is that he never like he always lets people be people like you know that's the thing is like like he accepts them for their faults it's like you know he was the one that sat there when chris pratt was doing all the christian stuff and left his wife and like we all started to like get on the i hate chris pratt train because he was just being an ass like you felt like he was being an ass like at a privileged ass like gun in the middle of all that storm went hey guys look i know this dude and he is so much more than a couple of decisions that are nothing to do with you. And he's a beautiful human being, like the same way that he did with like, you know, like with everybody else, like, you know, giving Batista a chance. And it's the thing that you like now he's doing with Ezra Miller. And it's like before I was OK with it. But now I'm like, oh, shit, like you're yeah. talking about a dude who has made not just one or two bad decisions, but multiple bad decisions. I mean, like, I, it sounds like I'm being, like, uh, melodramatic, but, like, like if you no, go not. Google it, like, he's literally, like, steps away. Like, if he had convinced the people that 
were like loyal or cultish towards him yeah to go murder some people like he like it's fucking charles manson like he's amassed a bunch of weapons he's got like a the beginnings of a cult like he's sexually assaulted people he's broken into people's houses like it's like if you wrote a fucking book i mean there is a charles manson book like that's that's literally it like you literally the only thing you didn't do was be like you know what we should do fuck these other assholes let's go in their house and kill them like exactly that's the only thing you didn't do man (laughs) like yes i mean he literally held kids hostage like as soon as you do that you do not you do not pass go you go directly to fucking jail like yeah. i don't care like mac like they have they have maximum security uh like they have maximum security mental hospitals why so, isn't he in one of those because he's a danger but anyways <laughs> if if so here's here's a question if this movie is as successful as or, or more successful than they even hope it's going to be. Do they still go with this kid? They, they can't. can't, right? They can't. They they can they absolutely cannot because like I don't know, dude, like that's that's a dangerous precedent. Like that's basically saying all is forgiven, all of your crimes are forgiven. Um and he's done some fucking pretty horrendous things. Um, I mean, this like isn't said, old Hollywood. You do not no. have people covering up the bullshit that you do. It's literally public knowledge. How can you continue? Like, if that happens, then, like, any faith we have, like, it's, we'll know it's all bad faith. Like, then it's yeah. just like, oh, okay, well, the, like, we all know money talks, but, like, you know, I, I, it, it will make me look at, like, Roseanne Barr's current, like, people are, sh- there are people shittier than me, but I'm the one that, you know, got yeah. fired and killed off. I might be like, she's got a fucking point. <laughs> like, if she, apparently if she were a white dude, this wouldn't have happened to her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, you know, and I, like, Yeah. Like, I really hope that the ending that they're talking about, like, like, because the whole thing is the big thing is, is that they changed the ending. Right. But Keaton's not a part of the ending. But Keaton is so intrinsically a part of like, from what I understand, the story, a lot of like a lot of the story have is having to do with Keaton coming out of like whatever kind of retirement he is and being inspired by the flash, but also mentoring the flash, which leaded, which led into this, this Hamada second phase of, you know, eventually Batman, like eventually Keaton would become like, you know, elder statesman, like old cap in the DC uh, or in the Marvel, uh, the Marvel comics, uh, like as a kind of like a that, but it's changed and he's not in there anymore. Yeah, I have a prediction for the ending change. Okay. Um, and if I'm right, nobody kill me. Uh, sorry, I <laughs> spoiled it for you. So it, they're basically doing the Flashpoint storyline, which yes. is Barry goes and tries to save his mother from being killed. His mother was killed when he was very young. They already did this in the Flash television show to decent success. 
Mm -hmm. Um, The comic books do it really, really well. Of course, that's where it's originated uh, and is super expansive. This is going to be smaller. We're not going to see like the huge ramifications um, of changing the the universe. I, I think the way to end this and also be done with Ezra Miller as the Flash is ultimately he does save his mom which prevents him from becoming the Flash and removes him completely from the universe as a hero. He's just a normal dude that exists in continuity somewhere. And there's plenty of... uh, We don't have to have a Barry Allen Flash. No, we don't. There's plenty of other Flashes. So... um, I think that that's the answer to all of that. Um, that somehow he sets the timeline right and also keeps himself from becoming the Flash. So, okay. uh, we'll I see. hope. Yeah, I really hope because I want a new George. I want a new Flash. <laughs> like I don't need Barry Allen. You can give me any other people, any other, any other. Um, any other version or iteration of the flash, just don't give me Barry Allen. I'm sorry. I just yeah. don't need, I mean, hell give me Iris West. Give me Wally. Like, give me yeah. somebody else. Um, you know, that, that could, that could do it. Um, but man, yeah, that trailer, like I hate to say it because like, I, I watched it like three times. Cause I was like, is it, am yeah, I, am I wrong? Good, man. It really uh-huh. is. It was, the, it was the only trailer I truly, like, cared about at the Super Bowl. I know there was the Fast X trailer, which I oh, we talked God. a little bit about last yeah. week. I did watch. Holy shit, that's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Uh, I know there was a couple of other big ones. Oh, well, Dungeons & Dragons, which, yeah, I, like, the more I see, the more fun it looks. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It looks like it's a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that script is probably just fucking great. Yeah. Uh, which I, I'm that's probably why the people that are on board with it are on board with it because it's great. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, did they okay? So, like, here's the funny thing did they pitch or did they just show the Dungeons and Dragons episode of of um of Freaks and Geeks when they started this four or five yeah. years ago? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, we can do this, but in real life, uh, yep, you know, uh, hashtag like, you know, I can't like. Uh, Carlos the Dwarf is like the best name for a fucking D and D character, but fuck the dude who plays Carlos the Dwarf because yeah. we know who that is. But anywho, um, that one looks a lot of fun, and I like. I swear to God, Chris Pine, like the older he gets, the more loosey goosey he kind of like. He's becoming the guy that I wanted him to be when he was a little bit younger playing Captain Kirk. It like it's the, the, it, this makes it the perfect fucking time to br- finally bring. All of that back because it has yes. been too long since we had a Star Trek movie, and I feel like they're all in a better place to not take it as seriously. But yes, also, yes, they're having such success with Star Trek on Paramount that I feel like we're not going to get a new movie because they're afraid it'll pull from from that. <laughs> well, yeah, no, absolutely. Like that's a sh- that's a show that we've not talked about. Which I feel like we should, if we're gonna talk about it, um, we should talk about it at the end of the run of Picard. 
Um, I haven't watched and, any of it. <laughs> oh shit! You need to watch that. Like, if you're a next generation fan, what, what I hear, uh, the, yeah, my local comic book dude. Every time I go in there, he's like, "Have you watched any of it yet?" I'm like, "Nah, man." Like, at this point, there's so much of it. He was like, "We'll just watch Picard." I'm like, "I just know, so, yeah. but like, I, it all sounds so good, and I'm like, I want to watch it, but like, it's just overwhelming. So I'm like, I'm not gonna watch any of it." <laughs> <laughs> um uh brave uh strange new worlds is awesome that's uh, what he says and that, that's one. yeah i like i like handsome i like that cast like yeah there's a lot of great people in that cast um but I, like at this point like i said there's so much of it i'm like it seems overwhelming so I'm just gonna continue to catch up <laughs> on other shit that I'm behind on maybe when it's all canceled <laughs> I'll get around to it uh, uh, I, I did I I know we're talking about movies but two steps back I did huh? want to mention that I started Paper Mario the Origami King oh um, how is that I love it okay so okay. if you I'm a, you haven't played it no, I have not. Um, you cannot play this handheld. <laughs> okay, I understand that. Then. Um, you have to have the controller because it uses some of the motion controls, and you oh. can't you can't tilt the screen because then you lose sight of what you're doing. So it is almost impossible to play handheld, um, but it okay. is a lot of fun. So oh, yes, I'm looking forward to it then. Um, I definitely do the because typically it's it's not my jam uh, with Mario, but you telling me that I mean I've played them before, right? Like I've played those those games. Um, but it's, I'm more of a Mario Galaxy, Luigi, Haunted Mansion kind of dude. Yeah, it, uh, this but, feels more in the vein of. Um, it is Paper Mario, but it feels more in the vein of, um, oh, God, what was the one on DS? Uh, it, it's like the turn-based Mario one. Party? No, like, it, it was like... Uh, oh, I think you're talking about, like, um, the, the, like the RPG. Um, damn yeah. it, I cannot think of the name of the... Of, of it but the RPG There were like one. two or three of them Released yes. like on the DS It feels more in the vein of that um, Okay Which okay. you know that that in itself Was similar to Paper Mario But yes. um, th This feels it does feel more like it. But yeah it's kind of RPG-ish Or very much RPG-ish um, But it, it's Got a big open world It's a lot of fun to explore Um I'm I'm having a good time with it. So, uh, good, good. Okay. one thing I love about those games is that there is literally a fucking save point, like every like five seconds. <laughs> like, yes. So, okay, I, so I can just save constantly and not have to worry about like, wait, <laughs> what happens if I die here? <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So, like a little side conversation about that. Um, Jedi or Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order has the worst fucking save points. Like, like there were times where if you if you die, like because I've died before and had to respawn, I've literally had to go and do things 
over again that were like impossible to do like like not impossible but there's a lot of these little weird puzzle trick things that you have to do in the game that are annoying as shit and then you get through them and then you have to face off against people like hordes of like the the night brothers and the night sisters and then you have to do like you die because there's like 50 of them and then you have to do it all over again um it's very annoying i hate I hate when games don't have multiple save points or I have the ability to save. Um, and yeah, so I understand that pain very well. So yeah. Um, I, I think you, you might would dig it. Um, okay. So, uh, is there, before we get into Ant-Man, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Um, Go not, Chiefs. Yeah, seriously, go Chiefs. That was an amazing Super Bowl. Like, seriously, like, like, yeah, I know everybody talking about the call, um, but, you know. Uh, them, like, them lining up in the wrong formation, and then Patrick Mahomes just being like, oh, no, we got this, and throwing the touchdown to the other side of the fucking field. Uh, wow, he's, the, well, <laughs> with his, with his, like, ankles, like, ankle yeah. sprain. And re-injured it like what half like halfway into the second quarter. Yeah, and like like I, I, I don't think we know were if text- it was that far into the second quarter. <laughs> yeah, but I remember like seeing it and then like texting you going, "Oh shit, this is gonna be this yeah. got interesting." And yeah. it didn't really. I mean, it did, but ultimately, Mahomes was on a mission to prove that he was the he was the new goat <laughs> of the NFL. A hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cortisone and Percocet together, man, they they can they make a superstar. Uh, um, like I just gotta, I just gotta make it through this game, man. <laughs> and yeah, they they looked, I mean, they looked incredible. And you know, uh, uh, hats off to like Philly as a sports town. Like, generally mm-hmm. sucks, but like, not a single fucking player came out and said that now i'm sure behind the scenes they might be like fuck that call man yeah. like we get we get away with that all day every day except mm-hmm. that one time but that's the thing like he did tug on his jersey yes and he even admitted it he yeah. admitted it he said and you He's know like, that the fan base was like yeah you can't do that they they saw it i hoped i'd get away with it i didn't they made the call what can you do? Nine times out of ten, you might get away with that. But yep, and they did all it season long. It, it's interference. <laughs> yep, and then like you know, bad form on Greg Olson's part. Fuck you, Greg Olson, for saying yeah. that it wasn't like the. I had to turn that. I had to tr- like. I usually, I typically like Greg Olson. I mean, I like him a Me lot too. more than I like Tony Tony Romo. Uh, but this is not the I hate Tony Romo ca- cast. Uh, <laughs> I generally is- Greg Olson has become one of the like three people. I'm just like, I I don't mind listening to him. Yeah. But and and I get it. Like he's been on the field, so mm-hmm. like his opinion. Probably Roma does the same thing Like oh yeah we used to But like Roma's such a cocky asshole about it But yeah like Greg Olson I was just like What? No uh, Like come on man you, you, The call's there It's clear you see him grab his jersey Yes I, I mean that If that is in the rule book as interference Then that's fucking interference Even if they don't call it nine times out of ten 
there's going to be one time out of ten that they call it. Unfortunately, yep. that's the time. So exactly. And the whole thing is, is like I've watched, I I watched their fucking secondary get handsy with all all mm-hmm. the all the tight ends and the the wide receivers that they've <clears throat> that they've played again, and people just allowing them and going, oh, they're a great defense. This is how you play. This is how you play defense. I mean, when secondary. you're mugging people down the field, <laughs> like, exactly. I'm like, you know, and and this is a this is a this is a time now. Because all those old old uncles on Fox kind of went in on this. And I'm like, you know what, bro? When you all thought that Philly was going to win and not any single one of you had picked the right person, it's time to change. It has yeah. to, like, I'm sorry, but Terry and all the old, like, everybody, Michael Strahan, including Gronk, need to leave. Like, yeah. unless Gronk can, like, get undrunk or whatever he is, whatever the mush mouth Chris Collinsworthness that he's doing, yeah, get out of there. Yeah. Um, just I'm, I'm get out you. of there. Strahan is the only one that I'm just like, I mean, Howie is on the edge. But, yeah, he is. You Terry, know, Jimmy. Yeah, um, they, they got to go. <laughs> Tariko, even yeah. Tariko, because or not Tariko, um, Tariko's uh, yeah, he's saddled with, uh, Collins Collinsworth. <laughs> <laughs> Al Michaels was like, "Fuck Peace. you, no more." Peace, <laughs> Tariko, you you're gonna earn your salary. I um, like Mike Tariko. It's just, <laughs> well, yeah. I like him just because he was like that. That I can't remember what it was, but we were both watching Sunday night, and <laughs> when he go ahead, no, Colin, no, no, Chris, no, not at all. I don't know what you're talking about. No, that doesn't make sense. And Chris was like, all right, well, you know, back in my day. No. And he just shut him down. I was like, yes, finally. Because Michaels wouldn't do it. Michaels would just continue to argue yeah. with him. Um, though, but yeah, like um, this year, it was a great, like it was actually a great Super Bowl. Like it went back and forth. There was drama. Um, but ultimately, the right team won. I'm sorry, yeah. Philly. You're never going to be the right team for me. I, I'm sorry. When you burn down your city, when any or any of your places go to like any of your sports teams go to like the the, the championship game anywhere. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> we won. Let's tear us. it all down. Like that makes <laughs> no sense to me, man. Exactly. Um, and this is, this is a man whose favorite sports series is Rocky, like yeah. loves Rocky to death. And it's all about Philly. Um, but again, you guys, if you can't if you can't play nice, you won't have nice things. Um, right. I do feel sorry for Jalen Hurts because he put his he put he put his heart, soul, and guts on the floor. I on mean, the like if you look at the stats, like other than a couple of things, like if you just show the stats of Hurts versus Mahomes, you'd be like, oh, Jalen Hurts won the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, nope. absolutely, <laughs> <He> no, <Nope. didn't. laughs> because because here's the thing. Patrick he Mahomes. threw for like 380 yards. <laughs> no, one, like, you know, like what uh, ran in for three touchdowns or some yes. shit. Like, like out Mahomes, Mahomes, but he, he didn't have the ineffable. The thing that makes Patrick Mahomes great, which is, is that he's the magic man. Like he literally. He's Tom Brady without the shittiness though. Like yes. that's what blows my mind. Like he is. Well, he's Aaron fucking... Rodgers. Good, but like, yeah, he has the sportsmanship of somebody who, of like a Dan Marino, who's like, 
this guy's the best. And unfortunately, he might not ever win anything because he is just an all-around sportsman. But, like, I mean, that motherfucker stood at, at the the entrance and, like, congratulated every single one of his teammates. Yep. Every single one of them. Like, that's the leader. That's the leader of a team. Anyway, like, I, yeah. I, I love this dude, man. Yeah. Like, he's <laughs> just, like, it's, it's going to take Ezra Miller levels of, like, shittiness for me to just not be on the Patrick Mahomes bandwagon. <laughs> it, but the thing is, is that I, uh, I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to, no, you know what? I'm not going to invoke anything. I'm going <laughs> to knock on wood and just say, Patrick Mahomes. You're the goat right now. Like you yeah. literally own the I mean, league. Two for three yes. in the Super Bowl. Like the only other person who can say that in recent memory is fucking Tom Brady. <laughs> exactly. Um, and here's the thing is that he, like guys, he's 29 years old. Like mm-hmm. he's literally, he's literally four. He's, he's 15 years younger than me. And he has at least another decade of, uh, of time. I mean, yeah. like, to be perfectly honest, like, but he's if he can say Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. He's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. How is yeah. that fucking possible? How are you able to be with the a, manager yeah. with a broken, with, with a basically a broken ankle? Yeah. Like, that last run, do you remember that last run that he made? Yeah. And you could tell, oh man, it's going to hurt. Like, the next four months, I don't know what kind of rehabilitation that he's going to have to go through. Because he got beat in that game, yeah. but I can guarantee you this: at twenty nine, he will, he will, he will do whatever is necessary over the next, uh, like you know, the next four to five months um, to rehab, and then he's going to come back and he's going to dominate again. He may even go back to back if they can keep all of their. I don't see how in a world where like Andy Reid comes back that he can't keep that team together. That's the key. Is like now it's like does Andy they, need to retire? I mean, they all seem really, I mean, it seems like a brotherhood. So, I mean, it's going to take like Brink's trucks of levels of money to get, like, I feel like to get anybody away from that, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know who is, you know, up for, I I don't think there's any way Andy Reid retires. Like, you know, I mean, I know he's, he would be going out on a high, but like, but this is not Tom Brady. Like this yeah. is not like like this is more like Bill Belichick. You got this team. Like it doesn't seem like anybody's abandoning ship. Like there's not a lot of talk of anybody going anywhere. There, like mm-hmm. it, it. Like if you're coming back with ninety five percent of the same crew, like you might lose some coaching staff because that that always happens after yeah. championships. You know, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators might get. You know, a job somewhere else, but um, you know, I I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I, unless There's... Andy reads just like I want to be done and go spend time with my grandkids, I I don't think anybody in the Chiefs uh fan base or front office wants Andy Reid to go anywhere. Oh so. no, they don't. Nobody does, but it's up to him. Like he said, he, he even said in an interview, he's like, I'll figure it out. He's like, I got to concentrate on this game and winning the last game of the season. Um, but he seems to have, like, I've never seen Andy Reid smile until he came to the Chiefs. 
Yeah. Like, I just thought of Andy Reid as this. Because he fucking dealt with the Philly fan base, man. And he dealt with the Philly organization. Yeah. I mean, they just everything was just constant finger pointing and blame. And I'm like, you got Andy Reid, who's a good coach, and Donovan McNabb, who's a great quarterback. Yeah, you're not putting it together, but, like, you're blaming guys that you shouldn't be blaming. They need to do something else because it's not Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb. Those people are both good. <laughs> um, it, yeah, Philly sucks, man. Uh-oh, did I lose you? Oh, you're muted. Sorry, 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 sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, no, I was just saying, like, what the hell? Like, they they fire him and they win a Super Bowl and they're still mad. Yep. Like, that's the thing that I'm always wild about is that you're such a shitty team that Nick Foles took you to the Super Bowl and you fucking fired his ass. Like, it's the kind of energy that I feel like the Niners have where, like, next season is going to determine exactly how I feel about them. And who they start as the quarterback. Because yeah. it's like they have this wealth of quarterbacks, right? They could trade away things and get more pieces that they need. Because obviously, actually, I feel like it's Kyle Shanahan's fault. At this point, if you've been to the prom, if you've been to the, if you've been to the winter multiple formal, times, multiple times, and you can't get to the prom, and you're not the fucking prom king, it's not your team, it's you. I, and, think, he, I think he cursed himself by, yep. you know, uh, like daydreaming about the 49ers when his head should have been in the Super Bowl beating Tom Brady um, mm-hmm. with the Falcons. So, yep. fuck you, dude. You get what you deserve. Karma's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, like, I'm excited for next season. Um, I know my team is going to be is gonna suck all to hell because... They seem confident in... What's that kid's name? George something Jordan? Uh, Jordan, yeah, Jordan, um, uh, Jordan Young, I think I can't remember, but they—I mean, so much so that they're gonna—they're—they're they're gonna sign and trade, or they're gonna trade off. Um, I just hope that it's a good trade with Rob. Does he have like, a? I, does he have a year left on this contract or two? Um, he has two. He has two okay. because of the extension this year. So, <laughs> they're, they're, Aaron Rodgers, welcome to the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> <laughs> well, or I thought that it was gonna be. Uh, welcome to welcome to the New York Jets. Like, yeah, yeah actually, that probably makes more sense. Welcome. I to just the don't New want Jets. <laughs> I just don't want their quarterback who who they who they like. You know, we talk about shitty teams. Um, the Jets with their fucking the, the way that they're treating their um, their uh, their guy and not letting him develop. I mean, it's like yeah. Ooh, I think um, Rodgers could probably go for a high pick in the draft. You know, plus like some yeah. ancillary stuff. Um, I definitely like. We really need. We really need defense. We really need, we're 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 dying on secondary and and the defensive line and the offensive offensive line. We just kind of I don't know how. Like I feel like more than anything, the Packers' problem isn't isn't their players. It's their development and it's yeah. their management. Like, Which is so I, weird because for so long, that was the thing that worked for them. And now, yep. like it's it's gotten to a point where it's just stale, and it yeah, is. I I don't get it, man. Like for so long that that's like it seemed like that's what that team was all about. 
Like you could just, it was like next man up kind of status. And now it's just like, oh, we don't have, you know, somebody goes out and then that's the game. And it's like, yeah, it wasn't like, like for a lot of Favre's career and most of Roger's career, it wasn't fucking like that, man. (laughs) Like, you know, they weren't winning Super Bowls, but they were, they, they weren't making it to the playoffs barely breaking even so yeah we were always a 12 and like they were always a 12 and 14 or a 10 uh, a 10 and 16 at the worst and they were they were perennials in the playoffs and they'd always get past that first round but you know what i feel like with any team you need to suck and truly suck for a while before you can come back to grace greatness and i'm prepared for it now like the packers organization like because I'm a Packers fan, I've read everything about the deep state of it and, you know, their unwillingness to pay to play uh, to pay non-star players like key defensive players and key offensive players the money that they're owed. And that's what we've suffered the consequences of. Um, yeah. And it began like I will tell you, it began with A.J. Hawk. Like that's yeah. the that's the beginning of the end because they couldn't they didn't want to pay him the money that that he felt he deserved and he he did rightfully deserve and then from there it's just been a slow succession of worrying about only the quarterback because they felt like they felt like Rodgers could do everything and he could for all of his thirties right yep. but now he's getting at the tail end and you can't do everything um, and he's going to go to a place where. They have a marginally better offensive defense, and guess what's going to happen? He's going to fucking rock them to the playoffs. He'll do what exactly what what fuck you, Brett Favre did. Because remember, yep. fuck you, Brett Favre. Um, what he did when he left, he's yep. going to take them to the playoffs, but never yep. close the deal. Um, it's not going to be Tom Brady because nobody can be Tom Brady. Um, yeah. And and Tampa Bay was like, I don't think that people really understood how primed Tampa Bay was, and they they just needed that. They needed that key piece because Bruce Arians was a great was a great he was like Andy Reid he was a great coach in search of a field general that he needed, and when he found the field general, what happened? He won two fucking Super Bowls and then he pieced out. He went peace, guys, and yep. Brady should have done the exact goddamn same thing. He should have went peace and left, but no, nope. yeah, no, nope. <laughs> he gets to go out with back to back losses to. The Falcons and the Cowboys. <laughs> exactly. And now now taking a year off to like, you know, like to learn how to be a, an announcer and try to get Giselle back. And let me tell you, let me tell you, Brady, you fuck that up. You fuck that up really big. I don't think that Giselle's coming back. She got half. I think, she- I think it was I think it was I I'm starting to feel it was more the other way of like he retired and then he was home all the time and she was like I don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. And convinced Everybody him to go to back talk. to football and then serving <laughs> divorce papers. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, like, like you know, the, the sitcom about Tom Brady's life is going to be Everybody Hates Tom. Yeah. But <laughs> it's just like, you convinced me that I should go back because I wasn't 100% sure. And then <laughs> during training camp, you're like, I want to get a divorce. She's like, yeah, I wanted you to have football so that, you know, you didn't think, you know, at least you have this to, <laughs> to soothe your, you know, ego. And then yeah. he like, he's so distraught over his life falling, his personal life falling apart. He sucked the whole year. So, 
Um, anyway, so too much about football. Um, okay, this, so this concludes our our section uh, near nerds football. ruin football. Yeah, any more <laughs> unless I'm I might be watching the XFL today and tomorrow. We'll see. Okay. Um, you gotta let me know how it is. Yeah. Um, so we both went and saw Ant Man Quantumania. Um, yes. We're gonna spoil that movie. If you didn't see it, uh, you got an hour and 40 minutes of us bullshitting. You're welcome. Uh, come back when you see Ant-Man in the Wasp Quantumania. Um, okay, so you mentioned at the top about the reviews not being very kind. They're not. Yeah. It's officially rotten as of yesterday. I haven't looked today. It was officially rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and I'm just, I, I don't know, man, I call bullshit. Like, I don't know what the fuck movie y'all think you were going to see, but I went and saw Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And what I got was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I saw the movie that I went to go see. Like, I didn't think I was going to see fucking Avengers Endgame and somehow wound up watching Ant-Man Quantumania. (laughs) So... Uh, like I okay so like that's the question is what did people think like okay so like let's talk a little bit about like the first two right like what I love about Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp is that they're movies that are continuing to uh like get better like you know series don't normally get better they get worse incrementally yeah this one like the it gets better and better and like people's like okay so like here's my problem people kept on saying well we want <laughs> it's so stupid it's fandom is just nerds are dummies uh we want ant-man to be bigger <laughs> okay there's the pun there but they want the, it to be a larger scale again pun yeah con- but, more consequential right they won't like, yeah. so they do that by introducing Kang in this movie, like yes. Kang proper in this movie, and Kang the Conqueror, which and still like, people are like, well, it's not good enough. <laughs> like, we want the old Ant Man back. Fuck you. <laughs> seriously, like, literally, like, I'm like, okay, so Peyton Reed on the down low made okay, so like my wife, uh, like you know, me and my wife went to go see it, and um. Christina was complaining the entire time up until when we got there was like, this movie's going to suck. I've heard bad things about it. Yada, yada, yada. Why do they like, you know, it just doesn't look good. Um, That's what she said. She watched it. She came out and she goes, I went in going thinking that it was going to be Ant-Man and the Wasp suck. And I got Ant-Man and the Wasp and an undercover Star Wars movie. But what I wanted from Force Awakens. And I was like, fuck, she put it right on the nail on the head. It's literally a Star Wars movie. That's yeah. that's like it literally Peyton Reed in his time in Star Wars, it affected him in the way that, oh, I can make Ant-Man and the Wasp kind of like a Star Wars yeah. movie, have a cantina scene, have a Darth Vader and the Emperor combined person as a villain, have like and but still be Peyton Reed and still kind of make it light, fluffy and fun. How the hell, like, how do you come out of this movie hating it when it does that kind of stuff for you? Like, it goes... Yeah, I, I don't get it, man. I, I I get 
coming out going like, well, it like I wish it was better. Well, I I mean, I wish every Marvel movie for the last outside of Spider-Man, I wish every Marvel movie for the last I don't know, a couple of years were better. I wish fucking yeah. Black Widow were a better movie. Like, it's a fine movie, I, but I still wish it were better. Um, yeah, it's not a perfect movie, but like, I don't, I don't know why the, like, it, this feels like the people shitting on Solo because they didn't like The Last Jedi. Like, yes. because you haven't liked the last few Marvel movies. Um, and you couldn't say anything bad about Black Panther. Now you're shitting on Ant Man because we can't That's shit exactly. on Black Panther, Panther. because yep. Chadwick Boseman died. <laughs> so we can't yeah. shit on that movie. So let's just <laughs> shit all over Ant Man. And it's like, I, and I mean, I, I don't want to shit on Black Panther, but like it, comparatively, Movies that have problems. If you look at Marvel movie with a problem, if you look at Black Panther and Ant-Man, the one with the most problems is Black Panther. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, okay, so neck to stern or like, you know, head to toe, like Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is what I kind of want in a movie that says Quantumania and goes big because like, okay, so like, Here's the thing. Everything that people complained about with the the first two Ant-Mans, the lack of a good villain, um, no stakes. Um, it, it it's not as trippy as we want it to be because it's about shrinking and like, you know, like like small, like you know, getting small and getting super large, right? Um, they resolved all of those issues. I, you know? I agree. <clears throat> I, if anything, I, my problem with this movie is Two things, like not it's not problem. My complaints mm-hmm. about this movie. Two things. Okay. This is gonna sound stupid. This movie needed to be about twenty minutes longer. Yes, I, I will. I will give you that. Yes, absolutely. There's some edits where I'm just like, I feel like we missed key, like information that would like tell us specific things where we're having to like fill in the gaps ourselves, like. 20 to 30 minutes longer and I, I i think i would have been fine um you know if you just add a flesh it out a little bit more mm-hmm. um absolutely and then i i'm assuming i don't know that a lot of this was filmed in the volume um yeah especially the okay so like especially like as soon as they get into the quantum realm it is it's it's a total volume shoot right Though I will say this, some of the stuff, okay, so like the cantina scene, I'm going to just call it the cantina scene, definitely looks like there's more set than there is volume, Yes, if that makes sense. Um, King's- uh, It's when they're in the open world that it feels like the volume. Yes, absolutely. But I will say this much, um, the actors that they got sell it the best that they can possibly do. Like, like- A hundred percent. Um, but yes, it was definitely filmed in the volume, but I feel like, okay, so like, here's the thing is Peyton Reed now kind of like become like one of the, like, is he going to start getting really big jobs because of how well he, he does a couple of things. 
um, the de-aging stuff because he's at the forefront of it, right? Because he started it with Ant-Man and the Wasp. He did. He's the one that directed the Luke Skywalker episode of uh, Mandalorian. Oh my yeah. God, I just spoiled that for some people. Oh well, maybe you should have watched the Mandalorian before. Um, and then also this now, like, like, but here's the thing is that the digital de-aging of Michelle Pfeiffer in those opening scenes is damn near perfect. And and the reason it's perfect is because it's subtle as fuck. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. Like, it definitely is. Like, her work... But, okay, so, like, here's the other thing. Her work with Jonathan... Like, every... Okay, so, like, this is the big take back. We didn't I, get I, enough I, of that, man. No, we didn't. We didn't but, get enough of it. But, okay, here's the thing. Why is it that Jonathan Majors makes everybody better in their scenes? Like, where... Where, like, I feel like Josh Brolin as Thanos didn't do anything for anybody. But, I mean, that was also, like, a lot of CG. Jonathan Majors, in every scene that he's in in this movie, including the MODOK stuff, makes everybody, including MODOK, better. Like, that's amazing, right? Like, that's a true, that's a true, like, unicorn of a movie star, right? Yeah. Um yeah, I, I, and then that twenty and thirty minutes, ten of it could have gone to Majors and Michelle Pfeiffer and their relationship. Yeah, I mean, it, they could really. Sorry for the it, twelve o'clock, so the alarm's yes. going off. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it it really could have benefited from fleshing out that. And it's weird to say ten more minutes would have done, but like ten minutes on screen of them, like just building that relationship. And getting more into the, the the tragedy of it being ripped apart, um, mm-hmm. would it, I mean, it just would have gone a long way to sell the drama of their reunion. Um, Absolutely, you know. No, no, yeah. And, and um, I, I don't know. I, I I think more time with the Freedom Fighters would have oh, benefited God, yes. us as well. Well, with a with a great cameo by uh, William Jackson Harper, um, yeah. who, if anybody if anybody watches uh, um, if anybody has watched The Good Place, know the kind of MVP he is, and just get, given a great role. Like I just kind of loved his like you know ability to do one liners. I mean, like everybody in that cast is like like so like everybody in that cast is just so on game, including the like including the one scene with bill murray right like bill murray is on not on bill murray-ness but he's actually a like a character right and he does like we and we get exactly what we like at least for me what i expect from a a bill murray character right like a mercurial kind of person so like you know it's but i expected him to just do his bill murray-ness like you know what i mean like what he does at the end of ghostbusters um Uh, which goes to something I talk about. <laughs> he, he starts there, but like yes. where he ends up is very much like you know, uh, just and you can kind of see the direction it's going in that he's he's about to take a turn and yeah, you know she she thinks that he's gonna be help helpful, which he kind of is, but and on her side because they fought together. But you know he's like, well, I mean, you left and. You know, it was keep fighting or, you know, just side. <laughs> I was going to lose <laughs> or, you know, become a winner. So, yeah. and you know, he 
you know, took the money. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, like, so, so, like, I really, like, I liked it a lot more than I thought that I was. And, like, the more I think about it, the more I like it because it, like, I, like, you know, you and I, like, you know, I've talked to you before about, like, weird, weird ass sci fi movies from the 80s. And that definitely, this definitely feels like a weird ass sci-fi movie from the 80s right yeah like and but using the tropes of like the most popular movies but just spinning them on their head not because you don't know what the fuck you're doing like a lot of these coked out 80s directors didn't know how to do right but Peyton Reed knows exactly what he's doing he knows exactly the kind of movie he's making and like I feel like this is a this is a marriage between him and Feige that works right because like it's like they both understand the movie that they're making and there's no like you can feel that there's no rub against each other in trying to do what they want to do with the movie and Peyton Reed is like somebody I feel like he's navigating he's navigating Marvel in a way that I feel like some directors probably don't and don't know how to take notes and turn them into good things like I feel like Kane was probably not something that he initially was given. But when you get Kane and he's like, I just need you to do it within these parameters and you can do whatever you want other than that. The sandbox that he's playing in with Kane. Yeah. And this is the thing that I find most interesting is that it's Kane the Conqueror and how they how they end his life at this moment and kind of throws it topsy-turvy for us where we're not getting King the Conqueror after that. I wonder if that's like fandom's I, way of being very upset. I don't think he's dead. You don't think he's dead? No. Okay. Um, do you think that he's okay? So like, like I know that we're shifting all the fuck over the place, but I don't care. So there's two there's two King centric um, credit sequence and credits and mid credit, right? Yep. Um, the second one, which is totally leading into Loki season two, right? Like it's not going to be probably a part of it, but it's definitely leading into Loki season two. Is that King the Conqueror, you think? Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I or uh, I'm so or, all over the place. I've been thinking about it since last night. I'm like, mm-hmm. it, it, you get into such a like, they're all Kang, but like, which one is is the Kang we really need to worry about? Yes. And like, do I think the Kang in that Loki sees obviously in the past is the Kang that we see in the quantum realm? That's mm-hmm. what you're asking. Yeah. Yes, I do. Okay. All right, that makes it a hell of a lot more interesting, though. Like, where they're going with it. Like, um, it's interesting because it sets up things that I don't think that you're expecting it to. Like, but in a way that I feel like, like, this is its own movie. And, like, I feel like what people have, I feel like what the complaints about um, Phase 4 with it not being movies but building blocks to something else I think is completely valid, right? Like, like they start stuff 
but they don't concentrate on the making of the movie and making it a good movie. Eternals is the prime example of this. Like, there are moments in, in Eternals that take my breath away, but as a plot, it just, it sits there. And it's like that stupid meme with the, the stick, do something, do something, do something. And I'm like, I, like, but this and Shang-Chi, which both have something in common, which is that they tell a whole story, right? Like, they tell a story that's for their characters. But this, like, but what I like about Quantumania is that it's also adding in the fact that we know that Kang is the next big villain. But we're dealing with him not in this inevitable way, but like literally face to face. Like he's literally Darth Vader and the Emperor at the same time. And that works for me. That works a whole lot because it's not it's not hiding behind the fact that, oh, well, you know, he's coming. He's coming. Like they learned that lesson, right? Yeah. But then you also get Jonathan Majors who <clears throat> fuck this dude, this dude is having a moment this year. Like I mean like how many actors get to play like so you like we've seen actors play different versions of a <laughs> character like okay we talked about michael keaton this episode so he's a good one to pull so we we saw michael keaton in multiplicity play yes. different types of versions of the same dude mm-hmm. um, and we've seen actors in like multiversal roles. We saw it last year in everything, everywhere, all at once. You have actors playing different universe versions of the same characters and like how wildly different they are. But I mean, this is a rare kind of thing. Like to be able to play so many different, versions of this one person i I mean he in the immortal words of captain america he could do this forever yep he could i mean mean, like (laughs) it's like that second end credit sequence like just is like the taste of what i liked about it is like i I hope that they figured out these fucking end credit sequences because people put too much money into them. Like they put too much time and in, in writing into them. Like, what does it mean? It doesn't mean shit. That's what it doesn't mean. Writers stop writing. It's the just, click shit. yeah, it's, it's a tease. I mean, it's, it's a tease a for taste. what's coming. Yeah. A you taste. know, they're making it, they're trying to put too much consequence into them because like, yeah, the first ones we got were, but that's all they ever were, were like a tease about what's coming. Oftentimes they're so, like all of the shit you speculate about is so far off base of what we actually get that it's like you you wasted a lot of time <laughs> like yeah. thinking about something that, you know, like they te- the very first one was teasing Nick Fury and the Avengers. And then in Iron Man 2, it's like Nick Fury is not, like, he's just like, Fuck, fuck Iron Man and fuck the Avengers. All this fell apart because turns out <laughs> Tony Stark's a self-centered asshole. So, <laughs> you know. Exactly. No, no, absolutely. But this one, it just gives you a taste. It, it goes, this is what you're going to be in for. Like, not like this is like, this is the, like, you know, you're going to like the next, our next Marvel movie is going to cut to this. 
no, it's not doing that. It's just literally saying, this is this is who this person is. And it gives you a character yeah. contextualization. And, and that's, wow. That was it, like... And it's, so what I was talking about earlier is like, so Michael Keaton plays the same character in the same movie, multiple yeah. versions. We're going, if it plays out, the way it seems it's going to play out. And I know this is me talking about what I just said you spend too much time doing, but it does seem like this is the route they're going. We're going to see Jonathan Majors playing different versions of Kang, not in the same movie, in different fucking movies. Movies. Kang yep. is going to be the bad guy, but not like Thanos is the bad guy in multiple movies, but it's just Thanos. Yep. It's always the same Thanos. This will be different fucking Kangs in yep. different movies. And, like, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of mind-blowing that, like, we could see... So, like, one of them is Amortis, is is the character's name, who turns okay. out to be Kang in the comics. We So the three we see talking to each other at the end are yes. uh, Ramatut, Okay. Uh, Immortus and um, a character they called the um, uh, Crimson Centurion, I think. Oh, okay. Scarlet Centurion. Sorry, Scarlet Centurion, which is basically a Doctor Doomish version of Kang. Um, So those seem to be the three. uh, Like they get such prevalence that i assume those are the three that we're going to see a lot more of okay um, even though there's thousands of them um but who knows man he could literally be the fucking villain in every single marvel movie for the next five years and not be the same character (laughs) and not have the same like and that's the thing not the same character has different wants and needs, mm-hmm. has different goals, and is a different performance because each one of those, including the king that we we deal with, King the Conqueror Prime that we deal with in Quantumania, and then also the keeper of the timeline yeah, the, the the one who remains or whatever. the one who remains. Yeah. Exactly. From from Loki season one, they are all wildly different performances and that's the key to jonathan majors right is that you're just seeing like like you you now realize why they can they could rope a guy that is just like i look at him and i see like physically emotionally and artistically this guy has everything that you want from a superstar and like literally is like how do you like who do you compare him to you can't compare him to anybody like literally i've watched this guy over the last like five years just come into his own and now he's having his moment with this and creed three right and the thing is is that if you're more magnetic than your lead in any of the movies that you're in and you're not the lead that says something right like that says a lot about what we're in store for with kane um I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Like, this is like, like, you know, this is his coming out. Like, this is his like, you know, coming out. I'm, I am a star and like, 
of anything out of this movie I've gotten out of was just like, Jesus Christ, he's such a good actor. Like you almost like you almost miss it if you if you're not really thinking about it, because it's like it's so each of the performances are so different. Yeah, it's it's so exciting. Yeah, it really is to just like the the possibilities are just fucking endless and and for like anybody who like if if it's i i don't know if this helps or hurts if you're struggling to grasp like what can kind of can be I, well i guess it hurts if you're not a doctor who fan but yeah it's actually kind of weird because <laughs> doctor who first started in 1963 and like like Kang's, uh, depending on how you look at it, Rama Tut's first appearance was in like early Fantastic Four in '63, but mm-hmm. Kang, the name of Kang, the character, first appeared in like Avengers number nine, uh, which would be around the same time. So, but like they're so analogous, like um, really, yeah. Because there's like hero versions and evil versions. Like yep. if you follow the Doctor Who mythology. It, it's like all of that time travel, like, it, you know, at some point you he is the good guy. But then, like, there's things that happen where he was the fucking bad guy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like he did things that were awful. And like, it, it just it's so fucking fantastic to just imagine. Like, yeah, we're going to get to see a lot of like different iterations of evil Kang, but like also probably going to get to see Jonathan Majors playing Kang as a character. Like the one who remains in the first season of Loki isn't necessarily evil, maybe just misguided, but like we'll, we'll probably get to see some true, like noble versions of that character. And like, I, I I don't know, man. It's it's really really exciting, um, and I I kind of think that this was the perfect way to introduce the character in a movie like this, like in something so kind of batshit insane that like he winds up becoming one of the easier things to accept. Whereas if you put him in a Captain America movie, you're like, wait a minute. What? (laughs) Like, I thought this was a movie about, like, espionage and shit like that. Where it's like, no, this fucking weird dude shows up in, like, you know, we get, like, Thanos is obviously a good example. There's a tease of Thanos in the Avengers. But Mm -hmm. if Thanos had been the main villain of an Iron Man movie, um, you would have been like, what the fuck is this all about? Instead, yeah. he's kind of the, kind of the main villain of the Guardians movie. Guardians movie. Because it makes, makes sense. more sense. <laughs> yeah, because space, because space and, you know, uh, space and wildness of the Guardians movie. I mean, and you're right. Like this is like literally the 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 playbook of the Guardians. Like playing, uh, like you know, having him be a villain, but a more active villain. I feel yeah. like they learned their lesson about an inactive villain because, like, yeah. you know, the biggest the biggest problem with with Thanos is that for so long he was. You take a damn it's like five years 
to get yep. to the point where they're they're actually fighting Thanos, which we're gonna that's still gonna happen with Kang, but yep. you have so many opportunities to play in different playgrounds with that character, it makes more sense. It wouldn't make sense to have him be inactive the way Thanos was. Because and, he yes. is he, by nature, he is a more active character. Um, you know, so it, it, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what they do with all of this. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I said that. Do I think Kang is going to be the villain in uh, the Marvels, which got pushed to November? Um, yeah. Which, I mean, maybe that's a good thing. Um, are possibly the one of the pieces of the new Guardians movie? No, but I don't think that that means we're not going to see some Kang stuff in those movies. And also, okay, so like, I feel like, okay, and you're right. I also feel like Captain America New World Order, the way that it's phrased New World Order, I feel like there's going to be tinglings of, like I could almost see like, like him being put in there because of the fact that we're dealing with multiverse things. And so, so there's, there's a version of Kang that gets stranded. Uh, it's a more recent version in the comics. They get stranded in the 21st century and kind of becomes the new Tony Stark. Oh, wow. Is that the one that's in, could it be, could Kang the Conqueror be that Loki? In or in Loki or maybe not. I don't know. I uh, um I'm just well. We definitely know this much, right? Like Fantastic Four, Kang is going to be there. Like it's just just like like if it's the trail is going the way that it's supposed to, where King Dynasty follow uh, follows Fantastic Four, he's gonna be the main villain, or he's gonna be the the thing that Fantastic Four works in, right? So. I mean, this may be kind of sort of spoilers. I don't know. It's from the mm-hmm. comics. Kang's name is not Kang. No, it's not. I it's, remember that much. It's Nathaniel Richards. Oh, that's right. I I forgot about that. That's right. So, that's right. So um, I forgot you know, my origins. Reed Richards. My origins. It's yep. a thing in the books. It's not a thing for every version of Kang, I don't believe. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I I also, so I I feel like we didn't maybe talk enough about the actual movie, but Mm -hmm. here's why I don't think Kang the Conqueror is dead. So a big thing with the Fantastic Four is going into the negative zone. I don't think we're going to get the negative zone in this MCU because there's too much stuff already. So mm-hmm. the negative zone will just be the quantum realm because essentially uh, that's all. It is. Okay. Okay. That makes I, sense. I I think that Reed is going to wind up fucking big, like accidentally resurrecting King. That makes sense. That that's actually like, oh wow, okay, like that would be amazing. Like then it becomes like this, almost like this Frankenstein story yes. uh, within within Fantastic Four. But then it also, because of his origins and because of Reed Richards, it becomes the whole thing that kind of binds it together. Um, 
wow, that's, yeah, that would be awesome. That, like, I never even, I had completely forgot about Kang's origins and who he was and who he is. Um, wow, yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Like, that makes it very exciting for uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, like, going back to Quantumania, um, it's just, like, I don't know, like, it's just handled so well. The movie is just such, like, if you take if you take the way that the movie plays out in the story, it's a full story. It's, it's wildly like visually stunning, but manages to be the like character design, man. Like it, it star Wars is a perfect compare. It is star Wars level of like things you see for five seconds. And it's just like so much work. Even if it's just a digital character, so much yeah. work went into designing that character. Like, you know, I, I, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, um, the, the glob character that whatever. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the one that allows you to, 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 to yeah. Your, the the, the babel fish. Yeah. The, the ooze. Drink the yeah. ooze, dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I felt it does feel kind of Peyton Reedish, but it also feels very James Gunnish. The holes thing, like, yes. I feel like, I like, that feels like such a James Gunn moment. <laughs> it really does. Like, I have a <laughs> hole, and it just <laughs> fucking eats them. <laughs> well, yeah, that whole setup and payoff, the whole like holes and how many holes do you have? Seven, and then the goat Paul Rudd playing that moment <laughs> so perfectly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's sitting there going, "How many holes do I have?" Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think the the father daughter stuff is fun. I, again, mm-hmm. five to ten more minutes of that in the movie would be great. You know, like would add to it. Like it, this movie is literally, I think, thirty minutes short of being just absolutely fantastic. And like they just need to fill in a little bit of the gaps and a a little bit more with the the new characters. But I think it it looked phenomenal. I mean I I don't know why people are so pissy about the CG stuff. Yes, there are moments where it's like you can clearly tell they're on a stage in the volume or or wherever mm-hmm. it was. But like, I don't know, man. We're traveling to the fucking quantum realm. I did not, did not for one fucking second when they announced this movie think, oh man, I can't wait to see how they build the quantum realm. I knew it was all going to be CGI. Like, I don't fucking know what you want, man. This is not like, it's, it's not even Marvel's Green Lantern. Like the suit wasn't, I mean, I mean, the suit probably is a lot of CGI, but like, there's still enough practicality, practicality there. I I will give because I know this is a fairly common complaint. The helmet on and off thing does yeah. get to be a little fucking much. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, just it, it, don't put it on. <laughs> like, don't <laughs> don't tap the side of your head and make the helmet appear. Like, we all know you can do it. Like, I I don't just enough with it. You know. Kang does it, Ant-Man does it, uh, Cassie does it, the Wasp does it. 
I like the the only two people who don't get to do it are Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. So and I, I we we didn't talk at all about Michael Douglas, who is literally just there to walk up and go, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> but does it with such class so and style? Good, <laughs> so good, like 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 if there was ever a happy to be there character and actor. It's fucking Mikey Douglas, like coming in as the goat and just understanding, you know what? This is Michelle Pfeiffer's moment. Um, I'm just gonna sit here and have these one-liners and have the have the little ear thing and then have my aunts, which fuck man, that that's a great moment. Like you were <laughs> not expecting the it. moment when he says something was he says something about the little guy and Paul uh, or uh, from his book. He, from- yeah, he goes, Oh my god, you read my book. <laughs> Every damn page. Like, I wanted him to say every fucking page. Uh, just because, you know, Mikey Douglas yeah. saying, or Michael Douglas saying the F-bomb in a PG-13 movie. Like, the one F-bomb that you get. Like, I wish that it was him. Um, but, like, oh, like a side note. Did you hear that they actually, like, now I want to read it. They actually wrote Scott Lang's book? Yes, I do know that. Yeah. I kind of want to read it now. Because it's like, like, it's. It's stupid, but it's not. Like, it's kind of like, that's the kind of deep state, like, MCU stuff that I love. Like, that I want to, like, just, I want to read it just to see, like, if they were able to get that voice right. Oh, but the bigger thing is, if if Paul Rudd has done the audiobook, then I'm not, I'm going to skip it and just go right to the book. The audio Oh, yeah. Like, 100%. <laughs> like, if that, like, I have to go on to Audible and check, I will let you know if it's there. And I'm fucking reading that. I'm listening the shit out of that one. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, Michael Douglas, like, talk about just like taking the thankless role, but not like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like he made he made a meal out of a out of an appetizer. Yeah. And I, and, I mean, he that. gets the hero moment. So, yes, he does. like, it's well, really hard to argue with like, oh, you mean I get to be the cowboy rides in with the cavalry? Like, <laughs> fuck, yeah, man. You know, and it's ants. It's like, they're really great ants. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know, like, but then the description of it, they had a thousand years, um, is just brilliant. Like, you know, a day was a thousand years for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like, fuck, yeah. Like, because it's supposed to be Ant-Man, right? Like, it's Ant-Man. Uh, so there should be I, some ants in it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw that was a common complaint. Like, oh, so Kang gets defeated by some some ants and it's just like uh, so the flip side of that is like have you not been watching these movies the whole thing is like hey turns out ants are fucking incredible and (laughs) like you know uh, he goes off on that weird tangent he's like i know socialism is like a charged word but like we could learn a lot from (laughs) and they're like hank enough (laughs) (laughs) which i'm like no Hank, please give it to us all. Give it, a, uh, give it, give us everything. Um, it's kind of great. And like, okay, so like tonally, what I love also is like Paul Rudd being being mocked by everybody in the movie. Like, yes. like which is something <laughs> including that they, his daughter, <laughs> including his daughter, and like leaving him out of shit. Like, you know, they're like, yes. you know, we, and he's like, what we? What, what's, what are you talking about? Yeah, what's the we? What um. <laughs> three times three times and then like michael michael douglas just play like i love when michael douglas is mean to him mm-hmm. because it's funny and it's just like 
I mean, you know, I mean, Paul you're talking is, about the Harrison Ford and um, uh, what's his name on Shrinking? Jason, Jason Segel. Yeah, it's that that level of relationship. Like, yes, it, it really it is. is that kind of thing where it's like this is my mentor, but also my bully. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like my unwilling mentor. Like that's what it is. It's it's he's an unwilling mentor. Like he doesn't want to mentor Scott because Scott's an idiot. Um, but a, a well-intentioned idiot. Like, and that that's the thing that I love is that, like, like Scott is all about like, like, reforming himself. Right. Like he was a like you know he's like the best possible like version of like you know rehabilitation. Right. But not really. Um, and it's just kind of like it's fun to watch them interact. I think that that's the thing that I, I really like it about this movie is that even though they separate the band, it's okay because the band that we have that's together is kind of a lot of fun and you get to get to know these characters. Like that's the one thing I feel like it gets really, really right is the fact that at the end of the day, all this wild shit doesn't matter. It's still about the characters. Like it's still about yeah. this, 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 microcosm of a family that has come together that are kind of like fantastic four adjacent because they're all adventurers yeah. and I, I all do think are... evangeline lily is is underserved in this movie she really is like she she's the one that doesn't have anything um especially after all the stuff that she got to do in in what yeah. and in the wasp yeah um but i will say this much um the thing that I appreciated is Peyton Reed's like Z story of their romance and never and, and not paying like paying it off in little subtle ways in the first like the first two movies. Yeah. And then that final line that if you didn't watch them, if you didn't watch the first two, you're not going to kind of get that kind of little like I said, like Z plot thing of their romance because it's it's always implied. It's always done off screen. And I really appreciate that. Like they didn't have the cliches of them breaking up, them getting together, them kissing and all that stuff. But at the end of this, when like, you know, they're kind of like, like they finished and they realize a bunch of things and they just, they say what they say to one another. It's not hokey because it's not been built up. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, uh, but she is definitely underserved. Uh, it's a lot of yelling at her mom. Why didn't you tell me this? Yeah. Which is kind of shitty, but then again, going back to what you said, you give us an extra 30 minutes, and there's probably room to grow hope beyond that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I really wish that there was a little bit more, um, you know, mm -hmm. it's, but I, I, I do also understand that, like, the last few movies have been a little long. The Ant-Man yep. movies tend to be the like Some lighter yeah you know but mm -hmm. i i don't know yeah, yeah i had such a fun time watching it i'm probably gonna take uh at least my uh nephew back because he's such a marvel fan um uh, okay and go see it like I, I don't know man i i hope i mean i don't think it's gonna make a billion dollars but i hope it makes a shit ton of money i like i think the i know the critic rating is rotten but I think when I looked at uh, looked the it up yesterday, tour. yeah, the the like the viewer rating was like relatively high. So, um, 
Yeah, no, no. I think it was. Um, I think it was like a. I think it was hit, hitting solid B plus A minus. Which, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, uh, that's fine. I mean, like, I feel like I don't know why there this movie is being beaten up. Like, to be perfectly honest, I don't know because I'm telling you, it's because exactly- people cannot that we could not collectively. Like not shit on Black Panther, but we couldn't be negative about Black Panther. About it, yep. Everybody just had to be like, they did the be- they what what they were able to accomplish with with the things that they had to go through. You know, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Instead of just being like, this is the one movie they really had to nail, and they kind of didn't stick the landing, didn't. and it's unfortunate. Um, we just we had to be all as nice as possible about Black Panther, and so now collectively they're just like, this is a movie we can shit on because like the last few Marvel outings have been like not really successful. Like you know, I like Doctor Strange, but like it's all over the fucking place, and you know like it, so finally they can just take all of that. It's literally what happened with Solo. All of that pent up, you know, mm-hmm. except Solo's with the fans, not the, you know, based on that movie. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know. I, I just, I just want to be like, I don't know what fucking movie you thought you were going to see. But I went and saw an Ant-Man movie. And yeah. that's what I and saw. Was, an Ant-Man <laughs> movie. It was pretty fucking good. <laughs> and it was fucking balls out fucking crazy. Like, visually stunning. I mean, like, where else are you going to have a... Th- uh, like a billion, uh, like a million Scott Langs, and one that oh, like that one variant. Oh man, thirty-one what? flavors, man. Yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> such a fun and like interesting scene. It, we we haven't talked about Modoc, the craziness of Modoc, <laughs> and like <laughs> Corey Stoll coming in. Oh my god! Yeah, I know. He, okay, but <laughs> he he had to play such a dickhead in the first movie like yes to to allow him to just come in and be as goofy as scott and everything else like was just a lot of fun you know yeah no it really was and it was like having like scott figure out the anagram yeah i got it (laughs) (laughs) but but then he goes he's like really it should be modok fuck like you know like the (laughs) modok He, but man, like Corey Stoll, like coming in and just having fun and Modoc being exactly the creepiest fucking thing that you've ever seen in your life translated yeah. perfectly. So I, I went and saw it with Tim and Tim did not like okay. the, the CGI enlarged face of Modoc. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, it's just, uh, I was like. He said it didn't work, but I was like, it worked for me because I like I feel like it was supposed to be unnerving as fuck, and it was unnerving as fuck. <laughs> like it just was, like, and you either have to go like, I mean, you have to go goofy with it, right? Because yes, it's such do. a weird fucking thing. So like, if you don't go goofy with it, then you have to go super serious, and I just don't know that that would have worked. You know, I like, I don't. I really don't think that it would have. I mean, and it's the perfect place to have Modoc. Like, right? Like, like mm-hmm. I mean, I know that they they completely changed the origins and all that. Like, you know, the character himself. Yeah, but like, you know, Modoc's been a character that people 
have thrown around since the start of the MCU of like, how would you ever do this? Like, well, this is how we do this, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah. the only way. Get, like, Arnim Zola, he's one, like, an CGI a, a, supercomputer. Yeah. Like, that's how you do that. <laughs> yep. You make him into a supercomputer and he's just a television. So, exactly. you know, that, that's the only way. That's the way you do it in a realistic MCU kind of setting. Um, I, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, all the other movies have a lot of fantastic things and wonderful things. And most of the MCU is better than uh, Ant-Man Quantumania. But, you know, Ant-Man Quantumania also has a fucking walking, talking character whose head is just a fucking laser. And yes. I, I'm just like, this is awesome. <laughs> I want to buy that <laughs> toy, man. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and it also like I feel like this one is going to come around and people are going to be like, you know, the most underrated, uh, like, you know, underrated MCU movies, Quantumania. Because if we really think about it, every time an Ant-Man movie has come out, people have been like, eh. yeah. like it really like the first Ant-Man. I remember like seeing it on IMAX 3D and being wowed about it, like going like this is fun. This is great. This is kind of like everything that you want because it's a Paul Rudd movie. But Paul Rudd is in the mcu right and everybody's like i don't know and then ant-man and the wasp came out they're like well i didn't like that like for whatever reason but they're always like kind of low-key wonderful adventures that have a huge streak of of humor in them but also emotion like uh, and this one does too and i'm like okay fine you guys don't like it that's okay that's all good like you know what you guys can you guys can continue to hate on it and hate on the eternals and hate on everything else that you hate because that's a lot of what i mean you know i know that we we have a podcast called uh, you know nerds ruin everything um i mean but it's a play right like we're 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 ruining things but we're not really ruining things i mean we're kind of trying to tell you that man on the wasp is actually pretty fucking good and you guys are ruining it like you know critics are ruining it like it's not great but i mean B movies are never great, and these are all B movies. I mean, like, like, let's be honest. Like, Avengers Endgame, like, you know, everybody, like, you know, everybody loves it, and it's a B movie in B movie origins because it's a fucking time travel movie. But you know what? It's it's got an A level budget, A level cast, A level writing. There's nothing wrong with being a B movie, right? And there's also nothing wrong with knowing that you're a B movie and leaning into it, which Ant Man does. I mean, this is a movie. That has that that has moments that I would never have thought of ever seeing. Houses that are alive, buildings that are alive that are fighting against like robots. <laughs> Where am I gonna fucking see that other than maybe like some drugged out <laughs> anime? A, when he's like uh he's like, Oh my god, your buildings are alive and that, that thing is oh my god, yours aren't? <laughs> or like, oh my god, yeah. yours are dead. <laughs> it's like Oh shit! Like now, I have to rethink what I the way I think about buildings. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and it's like like that kind of stuff is like it it's filled with that stuff. It's overstuffed with little moments that are so brilliant. That's, that yeah, yeah, and that that's what I'm saying. If anything, the movie ha has too much going on to only run. For uh, I mean, well, maybe a little bit less than two hours. My show started a, at nine thirty, and we were out 
at midnight. So yeah, yeah. with trailers and everything, it wasn't two and a half hours, which yeah, is so still a long time to be in the theater. But fuck, I mean, Black Panther it seemed like it was three hours long. Um, and, and it kind of was. I mean, it was yeah. actually it felt double that. I'm not going to say anymore. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, twenty more minutes, and you know, I mean, you you could add more so that you give all of that a little bit more room to breathe. Or let me punch something counter. The reason why we're talking about it so much and we love it and we want more is because we they left us wanting more. Yeah. Just saying, just saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's overstuffed. Like, I like that though, but I like my movies overstuffed. I want them to be like a bunch of ideas. Like, like when it's I'd rather like have this, something to to when I revisit it that like I can like find different things rather than just being like yeah there's not like after two or three times like i've got it like there's yeah. always something going on in the fucking background of this movie like it really is. there's so many different things to, to pull your focus that i mean yeah they they, they obviously had a, a really good time just creating the world it mostly looks fantastic I didn't see it in 3D. I just saw it in regular 2D. It's, IMAX 3D is was legit. Like it literally was an experience. It was an Avatar-like experience, especially during the the trippier moments, like the like like all the Scots and yeah. all the hopes. Like that was kind of amazing. The the final battle is super awesome in in 3D. Um everything that they do. I do want to see it in 2D. Like I do want to see it like um like at Adobe Cinema. Like you know the Adobe yeah. Vision Cinemas kind of want to do that just to give a different experience. But um it's really yeah that movie is very immersive. Um uh I was gonna ask you one last thing like thing that it was was not bothering me but it was ping ponging in my head is the arena at the the, the mid credit sequence is the arena that all the kings are around. Is it the arena you think? For, I mean, maybe. I guess I haven't saying, really thought about it. Yeah, because I mean, it's almost like, like for my 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 instant my instant thing was like, oh shit, is that the arena? Because of the way it looked, the way that we saw all of the kings around it. And the way that they were bringing people in was very much like an elevated version of the way that they would bring people into um, into the arena. To you know, I'm just wondering. I'm not a hundred percent, but I mean, it could be right. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would it would make a certain amount of sense. Um, I I don't know. I guess I hadn't put much thought into it. I. Just more or less thought like, oh well, that's a that's a easy way out of like, oh look, here's a massive bunch of kings. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a there's like a thirty second like Scott has a like, oh shit, he said somebody like somebody worse was coming and like mm-hmm. all like, but the he who oh, remains, the the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he who remains at the end of Loki basically said the same thing. Um, so, is there like, is one of the council or one of the many kings like, are they one of the things that are worse, or are they all working 
together because I, I don't I don't know it's gonna be interesting to see how they flesh all that out because uh, yes like, was he lying was he manipulating was it like I don't uh, like I don't know where do you where you can go so many places with all of that and just I don't know man it's gonna be an interesting couple of years I'm I'm really excited for what all the Marvel stuff that is coming this year. I'm also like, as much as I like, I want it all and I want it now. The fact that they took two steps back uh, now that uh, a more business minded person is in charge of Disney, even though it's like layoffs and a bunch of sequel announcements. It's also like, Hey man, like we're not monetizing the way we should be monetizing. This shit needs room to breathe. So it really does. Yeah. Um, rather than like, you know, oh, we got to pump out stuff. We got to get build up Disney plus like once they leveled out for subscribers and then started going into a decline, then then you're like, oh, shit, like we can't keep dumping stuff into Disney plus because we're not making any money off of it. Um, yeah. Which is well, why one of the Marvel. shows is now a movie. <laughs> so yeah. Um, the Marvels is now a movie, like and and uh, I mean, Armor Wars oh, is the, now a movie. Armor's, yeah, Armor's War, and it's a theatrical movie, which is yeah. a very big distinction. Um, you know, I I would not I would not be surprised if more of them turn movies because of the way that streaming has worked recently. With if you release theatrically, you get better numbers streaming. Yeah. After even if it's even if it's a sixty day window, which they've been doing, and like I mean, I've read about. I bet Black that. Doing, I bet that expands. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So like, at least ninety almost, days. Yeah. To give it time, especially yeah. during like it, it'll, it'll be tiered, right? Like certain movies will will have the sixty day, depending on how big of a like you know how big of a bang they make, and other ones like especially the summer ones and the winter ones will be ninety days. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, well, I mean, look at, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Black Panther, released in November, and then out at the end of February. So that's 90 days, right? Um, Thor Love and Thunder, 60 days. Yeah. Because it was Thor and Love and Thunder. Um, But yeah, it's- This is better than Thor Love and Thunder, by far. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 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 Like, this is actually, like, I would say, like- um, Shang-Chi is the last one that I truly had like head to toe loved without any reservation because it told a whole story. I would say that this one and Shang-Chi are like my favorite of this current era after Endgame. And I also feel like I don't uh, think that Spider-Man's we were... still it for me, man. Oh well I, I feel like Spider-Man exists in a different I know that's yeah, stupid, yeah. but no, you're right. It, you're right. Like I feel like all three of the Spider-Mans are the the best of wherever era that they came into because it's Spider-Man, right? Um, Like, like um, homecoming is an amazing movie that like in and of itself is great. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, I I don't know, like, it's just kind of amazing that, that we're talking about a movie that is like 20 years ago, if they made something like this, our jaws would be on the fucking floor. Like we would be like, what the hell? And this would have made like this would have been like one like the second biggest movie of all time twenty years ago, right? But yeah. now we're talking about it in a, a way like oh well, like whatever they're saying about the movie, like it doesn't make sense, it's not good, it's da-da-da. it's messy. I'm like, what are you talking about? 
who, what movie are you seeing? Because I'm not seeing it. Like, I'm not seeing exactly what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> Shut the fuck up and go watch Batman and Robin and then come back <laughs> and tell me how this movie's no good. <laughs> exactly. 150%. Go watch Batman and Robin or go watch Batman Forever. <laughs> I, like, well, I have a soft spot for Batman Forever. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I think we all do. Uh, the, the Kilmer of it all. Um the, the the ridiculousness of it all um but at the same time yeah no absolutely i mean um but or, i feel like we're headed go watch well i don't know i like angley's hulk i was gonna say go watch angley's yeah. hulk but i kind of that movie <laughs> like i mean whenever you have a movie that has at the end of it fucking fucking nick nolte biting mm-hmm. on a goddamn electrical cable and turning into electro and then having this weird fight at the end i mean how can you not like that? how can you not like hulk dogs yeah yeah <laughs> um, that movie's underrated um i mean if they bring they, they can't they they can't bring him back but i mean if they could bring back eric banna as ang lee hulk and jennifer conley <laughs> oh man in, in i don't know man we're getting the, i mean we got the three fucking spider-man so well who, I mean, who the hell knows <laughs> And rumor has it Ed Norton's coming back for Secret Wars. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, mean, I guess so. he fi- I guess he finally calmed down and was like, maybe I don't have to be in control of everything I do. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Well, I think turns out I don't work that out. much when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was like, oh, you know what? I could just just do the actor thing and Glass Onion. Like it was almost like, yeah. oh, I can just do the actor thing and get paid and not have to worry about this. You know, uh, but yeah, I mean, go see Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. It's yeah, I mean, if like, we didn't ruin it for you, <laughs> go see yeah, it exactly. Again. Like I, yeah, I hope it makes a, a ton of money. Like I really do. I really I, I'm yeah. I I excited. I hope that m- as more people do see it, that like the critics gonna critics are gonna say what they're gonna say, but just mm-hmm. I hope as more people see it. Like I feel like. That's kind of what happened with Black Panther was like the critics were like, we can't say bad things about this movie because people will come after us. And yes. as more people saw Black Panther, they were like, yeah, it's it's a little problematic. Like, like they don't it feels like they really didn't know what they were doing. Um, like they kind of just haphazardly had to put this movie together because um, parts of it are like, this is really good. And then you're like. What the fuck is going on? Um, <laughs> it doesn't feel like a whole movie. It feels like two halves of two different movies. Um, but uh, as fans, or as a general audience sees this movie, I hope the right reverse happens where it's like, oh, well, people are shitting, like critics are shitting all over this movie. But I don't know. I saw it. I thought it was a lot of fun. So, yeah. you know, um, like I said, I don't think it's going to make a billion dollars, but hopefully enough money that they're like, oh, we need to make sure we keep Paul Rudd around for quite a while. So, I like, yeah. I mean, I feel like they will just because Paul Rudd is Paul Rudd, regardless of a movie. Like, you can stick him into any Avengers movie as like comedic foil, right? Like, yeah. like that's the whole thing is that, I mean, he carries that. Like, people don't want to <laughs> say this, but. 
Endgame, he carries that first 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I love when she's like, you fought Captain America. He's like, no, I fought with Captain, with America. Captain America. I didn't fight Captain America. That would be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I would never fight Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> you read my book every damn word. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, man. But, yeah, I, but yeah. I I can't now I can't I'm talking about it, I'm more excited to go back and see it again like yeah yeah uh, you know, I don't know I like it was a lot of fun man you know yeah. big just big dumb stupid fun like it's it's kind of what you know like we want from a lot of things like DC just doesn't do stuff like this you know like they do. Control. They, yeah, they do big and stupid, but they don't realize they're being stupid. <laughs> so. Well, they're being like they're being so serious that they're stupid. Like yeah. that's the thing. It's like, have you ever met somebody that is super, super serious and has no and sense of like, humor? Oh they're my all, god, they're fucking <laughs> sticking the mud. <laughs> yeah. You're like, shut the fuck up. You're stupid. And then their attempts at humor is so inappropriate on the level of a Michael Scott that you're just like, oh god, I hate you. I really do. And I mean that's like like that's the perfect analogy for DCEU movies most of the time. Um, most of the time they're just like, oh man, you are insufferable. Like you're the Tom Brady of things, and you know people love Tom Brady, but not me. I'm not that dude, you know. Um, so yeah, like you know, I, I don't know. Like uh, Quantum Mania, go see it. It's actually a lot better than you think it will be. Um, yeah. And if it's not, I mean, it's not like you weren't going to go see it before. I mean, and if you're listening to this and you're like, you, you're like, show me why I should see this movie. If you're not convinced by now, I mean, I don't know what you can, I don't know what we can do. I mean, you know, obviously then you're a Zack Snyder, uh, like, you know, release the A or cut kind of dude or do that. All right. So yeah, go check out uh, everything else over at xwingfiles.com. We had a super sized episode this week for our Ant Man review, but that, God, there was so yeah. much shit to talk about. Um, Absolutely, good uh, divergence. Yeah, uh, I mean, who the hell knows what we're talking about next week? Because um, I, I don't think I'm going to see anything else. So uh, probably not until March. There's a lot of shit coming out in March. So I'm like, oh, I want to see that. Oh, I want to see that. Cocaine beer. Yeah. Cocaine beer. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, xwingfiles.com, uh, Ted Lasso, we, that was part of the news we didn't get to. Ted Lasso yeah, season three premiering March 15th, that teaser trailer had me crying. So if you like Ted Lasso, go check out Pod Lasso on our uh, network, uh, me and Jess talking Ted Lasso. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, Adam will be on there eventually talking about my least favorite episode. So he's going to have to <laughs> carry that one. So yes. this is when we're going to get into a fight because you'll be like, I'm just going to be like, nope, hated it, hated it, just hated it. <laughs> um, oh, anyway, yeah, fun. go check out all that. And uh, I'll, well, I'll let Adam plug his stuff. No, it's, it's all good. The movie all dot com uh, where all my writing and Logan's writing is and Logan's um, breakfast club uh, issue or volume of the of. Um, movie pictures is just dropped yesterday so whenever you're getting this that'll be friday it was friday the 17th so read that that's actually a great like i i loved the the dissection of 
of this whole like of the of the breakfast club and like your kind of like angles on it it was uh it was different than mine which i i appreciated like and so like it actually you know what it did it made me rewatch the breakfast club like yeah. how awesome is that and i mean you cannot go wrong if you watch the breakfast club i mean like yeah. that's just like it's just a movie that you can pop in and it works regardless of whatever era you're in it's i sent it to spencer uh when it posted ah. and i was like i said hey man i like i just i'm not looking for like feedback necessarily but just like more of a like i'm curious like on your take on my take you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and, no uh, absolutely. his response was like why didn't you do more like it should be longer and i was like well i felt like i could have probably written two more pages but like who the fuck wants to read five pages of, about like how the breakfast club is about generational trauma and he was like i mean i would i was like yeah i know that but like not a lot of people want to spend 20 minutes reading something online so he's <laughs> like no you definitely should have wrote more i was like well i think there was more there i was just like you know what I, I'm at like three pages on my Word document. I, I've got to like wrap this up somewhere because it's just going to turn into like me preaching about something. So, which was, it was already, I felt like a little, maybe a little too preachy, but like I'd never looked no. at it in that light either. I'd only ever looked at it as like that, uh, oh, perfect, you know, teenage angsty kind of thing and then like when i was watching it with my niece i was like oh fuck man all we do is fuck up the children <laughs> like that's she, no, literally absolutely. all we do <laughs> absolutely like i like when you it's it's kind of brilliant because like it's very brilliant i'll leave you guys with this um a like it was perfectly written and you gave like spencer's reaction to it is exactly what I would expect. It's kind of going back to the Ant-Man thing of like, leave them wanting more, right? But here's the thing, is that like your angle on it was something that I didn't think about. And then when you did it, I was like, shit, he's right. I'm an old man now. Like, I'm not a kid. I'm not a kid. And like, you're not a kid. And you're looking at it through your current eyes. And that was what was brilliant to me. And I didn't tell you that, uh, like, was the fact that, you manage to take these things, and this is what I love about the work that Logan is doing for the site, is that he manages to take a subject, and I'm not going to say a movie because he does much more than that. Than he takes a movie as an entry point, but he looks at it through the optics of who he is right now, not who he was before, not who he was as a kid when he first saw it, though he talks about that. Ultimately, it's always a... I'm going to readjust my focus and look at this and really look at this and then kind of talk about my family history and my brother, but also even look at that through other eyes, like my, my eyes as a man who's in his forties. And it's, it's what I love about your work and his work. Like, you know, I just want to say that. And this one is definitely one that I was like, holy shit, I've got to rewatch this. And that's the kind of thing that I love about moving pictures in, in general is that it gives it gives me the push to re-watch re things that I haven't either watched in a couple of years or even further. Like, you yeah. know, so, so no, thank you, man. Thank you. The contribution is like amazing. And I hope that, um, I hope that more people read this one. This one's actually kind of doing really well because it's Breakfast Club. 
So like everybody loves a John Hughes movie, right? Like your John Hughes stuff always does. Like I never tell you that because it's all that's behind the scenes, but the numbers, the numbers like already are better than um, like things that have been previously done from the beginning. Like I can track that. I mean, you know, you, you can track that stuff. You can kind of do the thing and it's an uptick because it's John Hughes, but I feel like your angle on it is so unique and very, very prescient nowadays that I think that people are going to, when they get to it, they'll re- they'll not only read this, but they'll actually watch it because it's something that you have to watch again. And, and you're so right, especially with the center scene where the kids are talking, like when they're just talking about everything that's fucked up, right? Yeah. It just gels. It just gels. Like what everything that you say gels perfectly in, in, in that. And it's like, I'll ask you this one thing. Do you think that Hughes meant it to be like that? I, I like, don't know, man. Like, it's one thing that, like, it's a shame that he didn't live long enough to have these conversations um, because it, it was not that the talk around his work was shallow while he, while he was still alive, but, like, mm-hmm. it was kind of shallow the way we think about things now. Back then, yeah. we thought, like, in the 90s, it was like, oh, it's... Like, it's deep, but, like, you didn't even know how fucking deep it was, man. Like, because you don't realize, like, yeah, you hate your parents, but, like, you also don't think about the fact that, like, yeah, but your fucking parents hated their parents, too. Like, because their parents fucked them up, too, man. Like, exactly. you know, like, I can identify with the principal because, like, I am that age now and yes yeah i get around kids and i'm like man fuck these kids but like also like and i want to yell at him like he does and like just be like you know you don't understand shit and all of that's true but it's also bullshit like because all you're doing is exactly what your parents did to you maybe just sometimes worse or maybe sometimes not as bad you know and it's just like this whole really insane cycle that actually uh, not to like spoil anything but like the next one i'm writing um which i i haven't been able to finish because it, i'm having the same problem is i recently rewatched uh how to train your dragon because my niece and i yesterday went to a how to train your dragon trivia thing oh and okay we came in dead last so that's fucking horrifying but <laughs> we, <laughs> we came in dead last because we bet all our points at the end and the final question was how many oscars does the franchise have as a whole and i was like that's a bullshit question i get it's like you really need to be a fan but like fuck man i'm a huge fan of those movies and I don't know how many Oscars. There's so many bullshit technical Oscars. They're not bullshit, but yeah. who the fuck knows? But um, so we lost all our points because I guess seven and it was four. Um, oh. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I rewatched that first movie and I was like, I knew this movie was deep when I saw it 13 years ago, but watching it now as a person in his 40s i'm like holy shit man like yeah this is like so fucked up like this dude is fucking up they're they're just fucking up their children 
And like yep. they're sending them to die and like training them how to fight things that they don't understand. And like there's so much more to it than just like, oh, it's cool because he's riding a dragon and he has a bad relationship with his dad. <laughs> you know? Like <laughs> no, absolutely. so much more shit going like um not just generational trauma, but like uh I mean it's kind of like about racism too. Like yeah. like you're judging this because y you don't understand it and you grew up being told like to hate and seek out and kill and like it's anyway uh yeah uh, i'm gonna have it done this week <laughs> but like i'm like oh my god Thanks, i have dude. to like i have to rein this in because <laughs> like i'm like my brain is like all over the place with like this movie's so much fucking deeper than like I thought it was 10 years ago when I saw it and was like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. So. Okay. I have to get ready to watch that one. Yeah. Um, that one is, oh, I can't even, we'll, we'll talk about this one then uh, because how to train your dragon. Oh man. I can't even want, like the last time I watched it was. Dude, I, I fucking like, cried <sighs> for like 45 minutes. Like the minute toothless goes into that valley, or yeah. When toothless goes into the valley and hiccup goes in after him. Like, yeah. I, from like that point on to like the end of the movie, like I just didn't fucking stop crying. I like, can't, I can't even like the moment where, oh man, I can't even do it, dude. I'll start crying because like that whole losing the leg. Oh man, that's rough. Like yeah. that was the moment, like even now, like just thinking about it. And then they're like, oh man, like yeah, how to train your dragon. That's something else, dude. Thanks dude. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to watch something and cry my fucking eyes out. My wife will probably look at me and go, it's okay, honey. It's like, man, like, I don't know what it was, but like, since my forties, man, I just like, I get, I get all emotional about shit. Um, yeah. say whatever you want about that guys. But. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting into my like late sixties, early seventies when, when I hit the like, <laughs> fuck everybody. Face. <laughs> you know, like the, the Harrison Ford phase, the Harrison Ford, Clint Eastwood phase. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't care what race you are. I don't care what religion you are. I hate you. You're all like just all go to hell. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, um, anyway. But yeah. That so yeah, that that'll to. be that up is... in a couple of weeks. So I'll have it finished this week. It, it, <laughs> like I said, I got a little out of hand, and I'm like having to rein it in. <laughs> so. uh, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that, dude. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but. Uh, we will be back next week talking about something, uh, talking yeah. about something. Maybe we'll finally get to our vinyl conversation because yep. there's nothing happening. But then I say that right now. And then Zaz is going to do yeah, something stupid something that we're going to have to. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we say that, it's like, Oh fuck. Here's the flash trailer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, you guys have a great week and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye everybody. That was terrible. <laughs> that was...